We're bringing the thunder. We are thunder. Flesh and blood down under. Whoop, whoop. Who do we have tonight, John? I don't know. Hello Who do there. <laughs> <laughs> it's Phil. <laughs> Phil McKay. Philip McKay. What's your welcome. highest, highest uh, accolade? I need to start with this. ProQuest winner? No, 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 hold on, hold on. It's it's Mackay. Mackay, Oh, no. <laughs> Mackay, is that a place in he North Queensland? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually like come up a few times in like events where people have said ah. Mackay and I'm like, it's Mackay. What's my highest accolade? Yeah. ProQuest winner. In Fab? Yeah. Day two Pro Tour? Day two of Pro Tour. Yeah. Nah, Procos went as higher than that. Is for it? Sure. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. But but very very avid player brewer, uh, Spike as we would call him. Yeah, welcome. Oh, I'd say I'm a bit of Spike. Welcome, Mister Mackay. Thank you. Are you from Mackay? No, I'm definitely not from Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> do you know where Mackay is? I do know where Mackay right, is. Actually, <laughs> I used to date a girl who uh, lived Oof. in Cairns, yeah. so Poor I'm, her. I'm aware of the final. So I'm, I I grew, I grew up there. I lived there for a bit, like in Mackay, Hampton. No, Rockhampton. Okay. Close, <laughs> close to Mackay. Yeah, no, I'm um, very much from well, uh, from Sydney, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah, sure. What's right. on the What's on the menu, Tall Timmy? Well, we have, you know, quite possibly Australia's uh, TCG community's most polarizing character. Sure. Right? <laughs> F- Philip, <laughs> he'll take that. <laughs> Philip McKay. You either love him or you hate him. I love him, team. Absolutely love him. Very good friend of mine. And um, but the first. <laughs> The first thing I wanted to ask you, Phil, is, you know, I've watched Phil, I've sat next to Phil in many events, team, and um, seeing Phil get on tilt or breathe out, exhale quite excessively (laughs) when people get on his nerves, it's priceless, team. It's actually a work of art. So my first question is, Phil, you know, how much do you actually despise dumb people? Um, Enormously so. I mean... I, I've written a few papers on it, actually. Um, <laughs> look, I think what it is, the tilt thing, is it's not actually... T- and I like I want to make this really, really clear. Sure. When I am getting mad when I'm playing Fab, I'm never mad at my opponent, right? Absolutely never have I have I been... Except if, you know, someone's blatantly cheating or they're being a dick or something, in which case, sure. But I'm never mad at my opponent. It's just when you understand sort of like the statistics of what's happening, sometimes... Uh, especially someone like me who's played card games and a lot of card games for a very, very long time. When certain things happen, it's just so much better, I find, to just relieve that stress straight away and, like, you know, go on tilt, like, say a few unsavory things. I try to do it in languages that people around me don't understand, yep. as John mentioned. That was yeah. the first time I met you. You did that to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I blocked with a route and then I killed you with a route and you're like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you lost. That and that. that's on camera on the Twitter. It is on that's show. A, Yeah, skirmish. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if his face is on it. That was much. great. Yeah. That was fun. I still don't know why I was playing against a Dory that was running double main deck route. Because I killed everyone else. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, I, I was <laughs> thoroughly outplayed and outgunned at the time. Um, but I don't know. I find, like, it's way better to just get it out of sure. the system. And I never... This is the other thing. You, I never do that in very major events, right? I know... I, I think most top players don't, right? But if you don't have fun with it when you're at an armory, like when you're around your mates, then it just builds up and it becomes way too much to deal with. And, I mean, I've definitely had times where previously playing other games i've kept that in for way too long and then i get to an event and like something happens some like small margin um one percent chance top deck whatever and then it actually tilts you for the rest of the time that you're there but if you just vent it in, in a fun <laughs> and harmless way 
when you're not playing a major event, when you're not scaring people, then it's way better. Jeez, Phil, you opened a door there. Give us an example. Like, do you have any regrets from, like, previous card games where you were younger? Look, I've been there. Jeez, I used to, God, you know, going back to when I was younger, um, I'm sure I made some very poor decisions. Like, do you have any regrets or is there a, a situation you can walk us through with a previous card game where you may have acted out of character or done something really extreme? Are you asking if I've ever been like banned or something? Okay, like yeah, yeah. DQ. <laughs> tell us, tell us, please. Um, have I, you I, slapped an opponent? I, I haven't. I haven't. No, I've never, I've never slapped an opponent. <laughs> I got DQ'd from a a Y Schwartz event um, once. So people who don't know what Y Schwartz is, it's probably the most like weeaboo card game that exists. And I don't have a very high. Sorry, say that again. Very, it's the most weeaboo. What's a weeaboo? Explain it's weeaboo basically for the old farts like me. People it's a, it's who a titty ex- game. Yeah, it's a t- yeah, the anime titties, right? Oh, okay. okay. Here we go. It's really for people. I've, who I've are heard very it's much a good it. game, but it's, it's a great it's game. Japanese art. Yeah, so it's graphic. Yeah, graphic. it is. Some of the cards are extremely graphic and a little bit underage. So it definitely some of the artwork's very dubious. I don't have a very high tolerance for the animes, so. I got into it because of the gameplay rather than the artwork. Uh, I remember I had this one event that I got uh, DQ'd from because my opponent hit a line off the top, which we, you know, at at the time I was thinking about this is the only possible line that he could have hit and he hit it and it cost me um, something like, well, if I'd gone into top eight and continued playing, then it would have been like five grand or something total in terms of prizes and things like that. And I just really lost my shit to put it you know very very mildly um and like yeah i was going off in french and like the tournament organizers came around to me and they were just like oh you know my people are very uncomfortable about how french you are um, <laughs> no, no, in that that exactly yeah said. that was exactly what they said to me and they were That's like the translation the abridged <laughs> yeah. version yeah. <laughs> and they were they're just like, like yeah, so you're being aggressive and you're hearing it as stop being french, french exactly yeah. um and they're like yeah you should probably just go cool out outside and, and don't show up to top eight. I was like, all right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't saying, you know, anything mean about my opponent, but yeah, I could definitely understand. Like if you, if you get really, really angry, mm. especially if you're someone who, I don't know, has, I mean, I, I went to pri- boys private schools for my entire life, right? We say some pretty horrendous things to each other. Anyone who knows about sort of, you know, boys private schools is stuff is not PG. Um, so when you kind of grow up in that environment where you kind of shoot from the hip sometimes, yeah, I can definitely understand why people feel like that can be targeted towards them. And that's not a good situation to be in at a, like I said, in a serious event like that, that's definitely not acceptable. Don't do those sorts of things when you're in your armory. Yeah. I, I'll, I don't care if I, if Tim, Timmy high rolls me, I will say Timmy high rolled me and, and I will tell everyone that he's a scrub uh, so you who just only wins because he plays brute, etc. I mean, <laughs> all yeah. these sorts. Of I, I find it very entertaining. I love when Phil sits next to me in an armory. <laughs> it gives me the greatest joy when I hear <laughs> Phil going off in armories. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think the other contributing factor is I like to take really weird stuff to armories sometimes um, because I play all the competitive stuff when I go to actual events. So then when I go to an armory, I want to resolve my Johnny combo. Right, like I want a forty to zero my opponent or something along those lines. And then if I play a five round event or five round armory or whatever, and every single time I'm paired against meta decks and I lose because my opponent's deck is 
obviously better than mine and also they've played the game properly. I'm annoyed because I wanted to do my dumb thing and I didn't get the chance to do my dumb thing. Is that thing. why you've been hanging around the West? Yeah, pretty coming much. Out, <laughs> coming out to the sticks yeah, lately it's an easy for your armories. Yeah. yeah, I actually have, um, uh, I've prepared some material um, about this. Uh, Go. About um, a certain hero in the game that I'd like to present for you guys. All right. Tell us. Is this lecture time? It's not lecture time. Oh. Uh, these are actually... No, I mean, like, are you going to lecture us about... I'm not going to lecture okay, you. I'm no. actually going to read us. you some, um, some poems oh. that, I, that oh, I wrote okay. myself. Okay, yeah. before we get into that, is yeah. it pronounced... Because we have some academics here. Team, if you don't aware, Phil is actually an academic, okay? okay. He's <laughs> Alleged. A, 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 Allegedly. He's, a, he's an academic. So I actually have a question because for some reason growing up, I always pronounced you know, how you said poem as poem. No. Is it poem <laughs> no. or poem? It's definitely poem. There's God. no poem. There's definitely Jeez. two And syllables. that's for you, Tans Princess. She always gets on my case, my missus, whenever I say poem instead yeah. of poem. So it is poem. Well, where did you learn poem? I don't know. This that's is what so I've always are, said. Are you raising the E at all? Are you going to like? No, I just say poem. It's like definitely P-O-M-E. two syllables. I just say poem. You're, you're saying it like P-O-M-E. So it's got two Is that Definitely two syllables. Okay. Yeah, poem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always it's just poem. said poem. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Is that, by the way, is that even English? Poem. I mean, most English words aren't English, right? No, I know, but like, it, that is, could have been French, is what it, I'm trying it to is, say. It yeah, is a French word. Yeah. How do you say poem, poem in French? Yeah. Poem. Okay. There you it go. It sounds French <laughs> when you say <laughs> it's it. Just <laughs> same thing. But yes, no, I've I've prepared. Um, it's actually a haiku. Oh, here we right. go. Um, yes. I, have a drink. Yeah. Have a drink. Uh, so I've titled this um, haiku for Briar One Tricks, who only eat the green and yellow crayons. Open bracket because they're earth and lightning colored. Close bracket. Go. Yeah, we hear you. We, we, I know who you're talking about. I, Keep going. I need absolute silence here for. <laughs> okay. One of your best, Phil. Any more? Just, just hold on. Okay. Third channel mount. Nice. I pitch stacked my arc lights. Sad. You lose. Rune blade scum. <laughs> Um, and look, I understand that for Briar One Tricks, that might have actually been a little bit hard to understand. So I've also <laughs> I've rewritten it as a um, as a Dr. Seuss poem, which I'd also like to present to you right now. Oh, I mean, please, Phil, please, sure, you, please we've continue. Got all Indulge us. This uh, thunder is going to all new heights right now. All new heights. I thought I'd like bring a bit of thespian candor to it. Yes, and, you know. Uh, but here we go. <clears throat> I am a briar one trick, through and through. I don't want to be friends with you. I never think too hard when I play. Oh, yay! Dad's picking me up from preschool today. That's right. <laughs> Please, keep going. Don't ign- I can mute his mic if you want. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> That's right. I need, I need to kind of chill out because this, oh, man, this is some good material. <laughs> There's like six verses in this book. <laughs> okay, keep going, sorry. <sighs> That's right. I'm three. I'm mum's special child. <laughs> Don't give me red cordial. It makes me go wild. But that Runeblade Kool-Aid, I'll sip it on the reg. I love to net deck better players and chow down on their dregs. When I lie awake in my bed, staring at my cards in the night, I wonder, what are these little numbers in the bottom right down yonder? But I smile. It bothers me to no amount. For I have never learned to count. 
When I show up to an event, it's a sight to see. Oh no, I forgot to bring my brain cell with me. Sonata, <laughs> channel mount, then attack for 35. How will I remember these complex lines? I draw my first hand and it's plain to see. The deck will just play itself for me. If every turn I just dump my hand, that gold foil will be close at hand. Nimblism, rabble, revel, Rosetta Thorn, I'm just playing with myself. It's like watching porn. But wait, <laughs> what's this? My opponent defends? What torture, what savagery, the suffering never ends. I've lost, I'm defeated. No gold foil for me today. I wish I picked another hero and just learned how to play. Bravo, bravo, Philip. Who is that director? That, that is, that is absolute. Jeez, you have yeah. Let's let's raise a glass to that too. Cheers, man. Unbelievable. Wow. What do you think of that, John? I mean, it should have been titled "Runeblade Players," but <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. To be fair, I mean, I have no, no, the other two are more complicated. Yeah, to play, yeah. I sure. mean, with like Viserai, you have to play um, a non-attack. And then you have to play an attack. Yes. Th that's it. Um, and with Chain, you have to do exactly the same thing. <laughs> uh, Chain, yeah. Look, what I'm saying <laughs> is they're still slightly more complicated. Yeah, no, look, obviously facetious, but um, yeah, man, I can't wait for Briar uh, to be out of this game. So which, which Runeblade are you playing at um, Pro Tour Lil? Obviously Briar. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, good to know. I understand the message, but is there room in a game like Flesh and Blood for... You know, easy heroes. Absolutely. Do we not, need them? Not that Are they dominate necessary? the meta. Absolutely. Are they necessary? You need to have easy heroes in order to like play the game, right? In order to bring people in. Not every single hero can be, you know, old him or prism or, or whatever. But if the easy hero is super polarizing, as it was for quite some time. Starvo. Starvo is also yep. in the same crayon munching generation as Briar, I agree. Then yeah, you're gonna have a bit of an issue. I have a bit of an issue with that as well because it's, uh, it's the only moment I ever thought about quitting the game. Right, uh, I same. Yep. I, I found it a really annoying because I knew I was sitting against someone I beat on a regular basis. I asked them and they said I built the deck last night, and they were hungover. Like this is I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. I mean I've done the same thing. And then I got Ball. whooped thirty eight to zero. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be possible. Shouldn't be possible. Yeah, it it, it sucks, I blocked right? correctly. I played my lines perfectly. I just got slapped in the face. Yeah. Nah. And I, I think that's, it's such a shame. I mean, I, I also understand that sometimes the reason these things happen is because card design, I think you guys actually talked about this mm. at one point, is we that did. card design is not a vacuum, right? You can't just ban stuff and bring yeah. stuff in and, and sometimes manage. And sure, sometimes mistakes are made. Duskblade, right? Mm. But... You know, we don't all need like a sponsorship to Crayola in order to win and like coming out with Briar at every single event ever and just like never blocking, like never learning. I think that was my main issue with Briar is that you could play the deck. And block with one card. Yeah, you or, or block with zero cards and every single turn it was just dump my hand, dump my hand, dump my hand. Oh, I drew channel. Like, yeah, very, very good. Like high quality gameplay, exactly what we want to see. Everyone, anyone who's watched a Briar mirror knows... Exactly how boring it is, was. Isn't five mirrors? It, it seems to me like five is similar to that now. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. There's I actually don't have depth. a lot of experience with it. Yeah, I don't think there's much depth. Either. It's just like, hopefully, you draw into a 30, 40 damage turn because you can. 
And you, I mean, there's, you probably have to remember certain triggers and go get the Phoenix Flame. And but there's not much stacking happening. There's not much deck building. I don't think. Yeah, I think the pitch stack was a really, it is a really fun part of the game, and it's a fundamental mechanic of the game. And I wish it were more relevant in more decks. But I also understand that it's a mechanic that you don't want every deck to be reliant on because then... I couldn't do it. Right. I don't have that kind of memory. Yeah. Like some people, you know, can't do it or don't want to do it. You don't want to put that amount of time. Like I, you can definitely do it, but (coughs) you don't want to put the time into learning. It's learnable whether you have a good memory or not. Yeah. And and that's... Also, remember, we're not allowed to write this down. That's a rule by... Like if Flesh and Blood allowed me to write notes as I went along, I would write yours and mine. Sure. So would everyone, right? Well, not everyone, no, because it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, go to I guess time like at a competitive often. level, right? Yeah, I'd have a little shorthand going. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if that was how the game was intended to be played, I think, or, or if LSS wanted the pitch stack to be more relevant, then they probably would have allowed people to write it down. Well, I think, remember, uh, you can only pitch stack if you don't shuffle your deck at any point. Right. So any deck, like if you ever played Starvo or Olden with Awakening, you weren't pitch stacking, basically. Um, even Kano has a has a card that you have to shuffle your deck, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so you can't play those if you're trying to pitch stack. It's very simple. Yeah, 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 exactly. And most of those cards are very strong to go look for a card specifically. Yeah, Lessons is fantastic. Yeah, but mm. you cannot have a 700 damage combo coming up <laughs> <laughs> at, at the same time. You have to rely more on luck. Yeah. I think, you know, the meta's in a good place right now. I'll definitely say that. Oh, I was about to say Oldham and Icelander. The meta's slower. You have more chance of pitch stacking. Like, again, even as a warrior against Icelander, I can see my second cycle. Mm. It'll happen. Which is a good thing, I think. Yes. It adds a little bit of complexity to certain matchups, right? Like, I'm not pitch stacking in every single matchup, even though I play control decks, right? Yeah. So, it's it's good that... I guess it's uh, a bit less fatiguing um as a player and then not fatigue as in you know you run out of cards in your deck but fatiguing in terms tiring, of if you're playing yeah. a long event yeah tiring 15 rounds of pitch stack right that's do your head good in. playing 50 minute games is yeah very 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 difficult so having a little bit of that you know in certain matchups where it's actually relevant i think is great and then you know in other decks doesn't necessarily need to be there briar was just like oh, no, I, I played the red card and then I followed it with another one. And then I had a third one in my hand, so I played that too. And then I used my tunic and I swung with Rosetta Thorn. Yeah, for two <laughs> and two. Yeah, it's great. Great. I've been there, yeah. I, I can race them now with Doria. I love that. I love Absolutely. Wa- I love watching the Briar's face take 20 damage, take 10, and then, <laughs> and then they go, oh, I die if I don't block this turn three turns into the game i'm like yeah see i'm a warrior i cannot block and have armor to block with you have to now block (laughs) and they just lose all way of playing the game yeah you can they haven't practiced it they haven't practiced the bit about blocking yeah you can definitely see sometimes just in people's eyes when they're playing (laughs) i mean i again i hate to like single out the briar players but it's happened a few times over the last couple of weeks where they've you know gotten to turn 12 which for a lot of Briar players is uncharted territory, right? And then they, I see the light in their eyes suddenly start dimming and dying. Oh, I can't win this one. And they're realizing, oh, hold on, he's still at 25 life. I have 10 cards in my deck. The maths doesn't add up. What are we going to do? <laughs> right? I've, I, I've already played all three of my Channel Mount Heroics. So I, I have no Sonatas left. 
I have no force of nature. Well, how how to play game? I, I can't wait to see someone play Rewind on a Channel Mount heroic in an event. That will be the highlight of my life. By the way, it's like, oh, did you pitch three for that? It's back in your hand now. And then the bribe plates going. Well, I can't. I don't have another blue. So pass. Pitch my whole hands. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Look, I I, I think part of my not hatred with Briar, but I guess disappointment is that I really like Blossoming Spellblade as a card. Mm. And I am very, very sad that the Blossoming Spellblade Force of Nature interaction didn't become more mainstream because I think that's just a really cool effect where every time you Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to, you know, OTK combo people, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Is Stubby's banned It is, yeah. Now? Yeah, okay. So uh, that, really there harder. wasn't Shiana build with Stubby's and yeah, Briar and Force of Nature, yeah. yeah, so good. But the Blossoming Spellblade interaction was just so cool and I really wanted that to be the way that Briar play, like a very complex deck where you're using Crown of Seeds on your turn, not on your opponent's turn, on your turn aggressively to have a five-card hand and things like that. Mm. Seemed really cool to me. And then it ended up just being a deck where the text box didn't even matter uh, on Briar, really. It was just the fact that it gave you access to a card pool that had four power go-agains and also Channel Mount Heroic. Like when you look at a deck, and I think this is, um, and this this kind of segues in really nicely to uh, um, what I'm here for, which is advertising. Um. <laughs> oh, oh no 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 no! no. <laughs> I have a laundry list of hot hot button questions we need. Yeah, you got to get through those before you're allowed yeah. to advertise. Oh, okay, Sorry, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, no. To to finish that point, essentially, I when I look at a deck and it's playing a bunch of cards that are just there because they're blue earth cards, mm. not because anyone cares what the text on those cards is, right? Weave Earth and Earth or Set, they may as well be blank. Like they have niche benefits, sure. No, they just say Earth on they them. They say they're Earth blue yeah. cards that block for, you know, two or three. Uh, that's, and like a quarter of your deck is that? Something like that? That's, I don't know, a little sad to me. Uh, I find that a bit of a failure of, um, of the design process. An inevitable failure. I mean, it happens, right? You know, I've I've been on the other side of the curtain as well. Sometimes you screw up when you're designing cards. I'm not sure this was a a massive screw up. I think it was a little mistake, but I think they just got a, it was unlucky that it was the second rune blade that was yeah I think a that bit made meta a bit break. Annoying. Yeah, that that's more than it was. It wouldn't have mattered. I've, I mentioned this to Paul. Like it wouldn't have mattered if it was mind you. Oldham turns out is also a little bit broken, and. In a, if those two are not as broken, then Lexi is quite broken. So <laughs> that, set, that set in particular has some... But but again, if it was just Lexi that was felt unbeatable, there would have been less rage because it wasn't another Runeblade. Right, yeah. And I think Ranger having its time in the spotlight is not a bad thing. I think Lexi's in a really good spot right now, actually. she Yeah, she's not game-breaking, that's for no, sure. No, she's, but she's very not game-breaking. She yeah. loses to the two best decks in the game. So yeah, but she um, preys on everything else. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, great deck for sure. Well, Paul, why don't you ask him some questions? Yeah. <laughs> look, before look, I want to get to Lexi. I want to get to the Pro Tour. I want to get to all that good stuff, Jay's okay. team. This is going to be a long one, so bear with us. <clears throat> First thing is, let's go back to the time we met, Phil. Oh boy, if you remember, yeah, no idea. So this was my second armory yes. at RC Crew Games. Yes, I didn't know you from a bar of soap. I walked in there and you came fresh off a hot skirmish. Uh, finished down at Canberra, I believe. Um, you were down in Canberra playing a skirmish. ProQuest? Pro or was it skirmish? Uh, I think it might have been a skirmish. Oh, no, no, sorry. No, you're right. Yeah. Yep. You yep. had some promos. It was my second time at RC Crew Games. I think it was the second week I was playing the game. And out of nowhere, 
um, we were having a chat and you just gave me these promos. From Do you remember skirmish. what the promos Yeah, the were? Ursa promos. There you go. Yeah. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, like I didn't ask for, you just gave them to me. And I was just like, wow, that's like really generous of you. And, <clears throat> you know, at that time, you know, we were chatting, we got along quite well and um, I didn't expect that. And basically the reason why I say that story is <clears throat> because, you know, there is a bit of tall poppy syndrome in the community. You can see that yeah, in all sure. TCG yeah, games. Yeah. Like, do you feel any sort of um, hate that's come your way or vitriol that's come your way over the years, whether it's in Fab or it could be, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh, Schwartz, any MTG, any card games you've played, do you think that's like just as, like a hater thing or people jealous of you or how do you explain that? Or is there some merit in that? Do you think that maybe there have been some unsavory acts like you said something in – you know, this um, titty competition, you, you got a bit salty using a few, you know, fr- you know French um, inflammatory words. Like, what do you think it is that basically, what I'm getting at is, wh- why do you think, you know, and I can definitely say that, why do you think, not that you polarise, why do you think people have, you know, a strong opinion on you, you know? Um, where do you think that comes from? So I think the hate... It, hate for anything is always justified in some way, but you just have to figure out what that justification is. So in in my case, I mean, that's definitely because I come off as a strong personality and, you know, my voice and my accent are in a particular way. So when I say certain things, it comes off as, you know, potentially condescending towards certain people. Um, I've also done well in a lot, pretty much every game that I've picked up, I've, I'm, you know, very happy and very proud to say that I've found some kind of success um yeah you know it's inevitable no matter what when you're in a position of you know whether you're a content creator or a top player or something like that there's always going to be people who yes i don't want to necessarily say it's jealousy because i don't know these people personally right but yeah you do definitely get certain sorts of comments and especially when i was younger um and i was doing because i mean i played my first world championship when i was nine years old or ten years old what game that was pokemon well um so when you're at a high level at a very, very young age, sometimes you get a lot of attention that you don't know how to deal with because you're still a kid, right? And then that can lead to you, you know, someone says, oh, you know, I think you should play this card in your deck instead. And I say, well, I think you're an idiot. And that's that's it. There's no <laughs> Nine, further discussion. Quote, nine-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes, you know, that's just the normal, like, visceral response when you have a younger. Now... You know, I've I've grown up, I've matured a lot more. So when people say to me, you know, I think you should play, I don't know, like... Briar? Yeah, right. Like when people say to me, I think you should play Briar, I still come to the same conclusion that person's an idiot, but I at least try to think about it critically. You are an idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, it's... Yeah, look, I think there's a multitude of factors that really lead to that. And like, this is not really a very... It's a bit of an abstract answer. Sure, I guess. yeah, I sure. I think you know. Sometimes it just comes down to if you're very staunch about your your beliefs in something, and even if you explain it to the fullest extent that you possibly can, sometimes there are just going to be people who don't agree with you, right? And I mean, this this applies to every. This applies to life, right? Like there are going to be reasons that I disagree with someone on you know politics or whatever, and it'll come down to some moral difference that neither of us can reconcile right now card games aren't as game breaking as whether or not you know you think humans have the right to life or something but it's sort of the same train of thought in Mm. that sometimes it's just a fundamental reason why people disagree the biggest one for me is certainly 
I'm a huge, um, I guess, supporter of uh, quantitative um, analysis of cards and card games. I like looking at data. Uh, I like looking at what's actually on the card and looking at exactly why it works, whereas some people are qualitative and they'll say, I play this card and it does well. Therefore, I think it's good, which in many situations is a perfectly correct way to look at things. Like there are cards that I don't understand why they're good cards because on paper, they don't seem to be good cards in any any sort of game. Yeah. But sometimes they just are. And um, I don't have a way of justifying that in the way that I like to go about things. And, you know, you can just have two different schools of thought. Well, let's slow it down. You mentioned that you, you know, played very high level Pokemon quite young, yep. 19 years old. And I also understand you are an immigrant to Australia, just like... Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell us, t- yeah, tell us a bit about you your brown? background. Am I brown? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm toasty. Yeah. So <laughs> t- t- Tell us a bit about your background. You know, when yeah. you came to Australia... These sorts of things. You know, you've spoken to me um, privately about a couple of things. I find it very interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, talk to us a bit about that. So I won't go like too how you got, how, Yeah, too, too in depth. Share us what you will, what sure. you feel like, how you got into TCGs, you know, what was your first Pokemon. Yeah. yeah explain it to us. So, so I was actually born here, but my very oh, earliest okay. memories are not from Australia. My very gotcha. earliest memories are actually from England. Um, but when I was young, very, very young, we you know, moved my, my heritage is uh, Mozambique and Portuguese on my mother's side and Mauritian French on my father's side. And there's also some German and other African in there. So when um, when I moved around a lot when I was younger, I you know, I didn't stay in the same school for a very long time. I was bouncing around Europe. I mean, I was in uh, England, Portugal. Um, briefly, I was, I think we might have stopped over or we were there for a couple of weeks in Germany and... Um, back to Australia and Tasmania, which is another country. Um, and uh, I love Tasmania. <laughs> we just make it's very point. far away, though. Yeah. Uh, but Tasmania is actually where my TCG life started. Oh, okay. um, so when I moved there, I was very out of place as someone of... That, Tasman- didn't, that didn't have red hair? Right. I mean, Tasmania has a very particular ethnic Are your makeup. parents not relate now? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Tasmania. We love you. <laughs> um, I, and especially in the uh, you know early mid two thousands, right? There was not as much immigration going on in Tasmania. The idea of like an Afro European kid coming to Tasmania who didn't sound like Ocker Australian was a little strange. And I didn't have a lot of friends in school. And then one day, my father he found out about Pokemon Leagues, which is just like a locals. And took me and got me to start playing there. And I did really, really well. And I can't remember exactly what the sequence of events was. But one day, um, I think I was... It was either Nationals or, or Worlds that I qualified for. And I, I, think it was, I think it was actually Nationals. And I said to my dad, oh, you know, I've qualified for this thing. Um, or, sorry, I did really well and I want to go play in the National Championships in Sydney. And he went, well, we'll fly to Sydney to play a children's card game. What is this? And... Um, he, he was always a big supporter of the local league sort of thing, but he, he didn't really know how far up it went. And to his absolute credit, he was in, super supportive of me. I did really well in my first nationals and I was the highest rated player in the Australia, Southeast Asia, Asia um, region leading up to the world championships in 2007. So I qualified uh, for the world championships. And back then in the golden age of TCGs, if you qualified for something like a world championships, you know, you got flown over, you got flown over hey. along with a, a parent or guardian. And they also sent you 
a case of the newest set, which was legal at the World Championships, a set which had not yet been played in, in competitions, if I remember correctly. So I think this was the first or second event where these cards were going to get played. So I think these cards arrived on the same day. Oh, yeah, you know, qualify, we're going to Hawaii. And he was going, what are you talking about? I'm not going to Hawaii. But then, he, you know, he talked to the, the guy who ran the, the locals, Ashley Kendall. Um, he's still involved with card games, I believe. And uh, essentially just he said, okay, son, what do you need? And, you know, hooked me up with all the cards that I needed. Um, back then, cards were a little bit cheaper. But, mm. you know, still managed to hook me up with everything. Um, went to Worlds and made... Um, so, Worlds was a little different. Like, the format was a little different back then. Um, but, basically, there were two separate events at Worlds. One of them was the Constructed World Championship. And the other one was the pre-release for the new set. That was kind of like the other major event over there. And in the Constructed World Championships, I was top 64. Um, and in the the pre-release event for the new set um i i can't remember if it was open to all ages or if they made a mistake but i ended up playing exclusively with people who were over 18 and there were actually divisions in pokemon you couldn't play with people like outside of your division divisions were split by age and i came third in the pre-release where i'd only played against people who'd been playing for like longer than i was alive so I was very, very happy about that. And from then on, like Pokemon was a big part of my life. Um, it was also how I learned to read. Um, uh, when I was three years old, I think my father got me uh, one of those original Pokemon Pokedexes in paper where I could just read through and look at all the moves and how tall the Pokemon were and, you know, what their stats were and all these sorts of things. I think I still have it. It's battered as, as hell. He bought it in some market in, in London or Asia. And... I taught, basically, you know, learned how to read from that and started reading at a very young age. So Pokemon cards were great for me because they had lots of words on them. New cards would come out. I'd be the only kid who could read them when I was four or five years old. So, you know, I was cool back then. Um, <laughs> that streak's over. You <laughs> yeah, exactly. Early, yeah. I peaked at the age of nine, clearly. Uh, but then from that point, I kind of just threw myself into every single game that I could. MTG, Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, Dragon Ball, Vanguard, Weiss, Body Fight, um, VS System, Force of Will, Shadow Ver Digital Games, Shadow what, Verse. What's Hearthstone. the best? The play. best game that I've ever play. played mechanically. Mechanically, um, oh man, old. Don't hurt me right now, please. Okay, just it's it's not fab. Start, oh. No, no, that's why I ask. <laughs> yeah, it's not fab. Old Pokemon. There was one deck that I played, which was the most fun that I've ever had in anything probably in my life. Um, and it was the a deck that got played. There, there was a, a deck that arrived after this one that was so broken that you could win on turn one every single game. So they fundamentally changed the rules of Pokemon. That's never been the same since. Just before then, there was a really cool deck that you could play where every single turn you would look at the... You'd start the game by ripping your opponent's hand down to zero. And then every single turn you would look at the top of your opponent's deck and reorder it however you wanted. <laughs> Um, which in hindsight, not very fun for your opponent because your win condition was like one card in your deck, but you would sit there and basically stop your opponent from playing the game. And I sadistically loved that. I had such a great As time. an eight rack player, I salute yeah, you. There you go. It was exactly like playing. It was the most extreme version of a prison or tax deck that has ever existed in any game that I've ever played. I had so much fun with it. Um, there was definitely that. Mechanically, honestly, Weishwartz is really good um, to the point where... A very 
close friend of mine, probably one of my best friends now, um, Stephen uh, Regidor. Uh, him and I, we actually met through this game and we were so interested in the complexity of the, the maths for how to win the game that he developed a uh, essentially an algorithm um, with neural networks uh, or something like that. I'm not a tech guy. I don't know anything about this. Sort of thing. He knows. He works at Google. He's a genius. Shout outs to you, Stephen. I love you, buddy. Um, Sorry for getting six counters on my Dawn Blade, Stephen. In your first event ever. He plays fab. Oh, so you've met Stephen. Yeah, 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 yeah Stephen. Okay. He's an absolute Nice weapon. guy. Very nice guy. Uh, and he developed this algorithm that essentially simulated how effective every single finishing card in the game was. And we made this very, very long article that people still reference to this day eight years later. Um, or people have messaged me and been like, oh, I actually, I read your blog, Make Marika Great. Marika was the one of the characters in the game. Um, uh, the, I remember the header of the blog was like Donald Trump, but with the character superimposed over his face. It was good fun. Um, the mechanics of that game was so complex and the numbers were so much fun. And it was really rewarding writing that article and seeing that people actually appreciated that and changed the way that they play. And people still today, even though they may not realize it, play that game differently because of what we wrote in that article. And that was probably the most fulfilling moment ever. And that stemmed from the mechanics of that game being so This is as far as my depth of why Schwartz understanding goes. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's it interesting because <laughs> you level up your characters but at the detriment of you losing quicker? Yeah, so essentially... So is that roughly correct? Like you can get a more... Like you go level one, two, three or whatever, but if you're at level three, you can like lose? Yeah, so basically once you get to level four, you lose the game. Um, you can only play characters that are equal to the level that you currently are at. Your level... Okay. Your level, yep. yeah. Yep. The more powerful characters are higher level. But so, if you hit level four, the character you 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 die. You, yeah, if you personally hit level, so you you're See, actually the one leveling at, up. At, yeah. Like it's just interesting. Uh, but by the way, my issue just to clarify here, I love the art of flesh and blood, and yep. I don't get into games on mechanics. I got in because of the art and the characters. So it's already like I've opened some, but it's not for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I the art is definitely not for me as well. It's actually yeah. part of the reason that I stopped playing is because I found it a very uncomfortable environment. At times, I'd just be in a room and then... Please explain. Oh, mate. What do you mean by Sure, that? let's go. Do you, do you need an explanation? You, I do, if I you, do. Yeah. You, so why is your card sticky? Exactly. Yeah, it <laughs> was... Whoa, that bad? Um, I mean, there's a, really? type, of, a type of oversleeve, uh, which is called the... Oh I think it's made by KMC, and it's... Um, I use them on my tunic sleeves. The sticky... It's to protect... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's to protect the card on, like, the actual character sleeve. Yeah, so it's an oversleeve, but they have designs on them. And right. there was a very famous one, which is still in print, I think, which is called Mysterious White Liquid. Uh, and it's exactly what you think. It's a design of... Yeah, you know. What? That's the name of a card. No, no, it's a, it's an oversleeve. <laughs> that's that you, what you see on their deck. You put over your card so that the artwork of your card. So the sleeve is called mysterious white liquid. Yes, and it's like a clear. Sleeve. Made by who? KMC. I think it's KMC. Oh my god! But yeah, it's basically like like this an oversleeve. It's got this little frame on it. But instead, so of what it you're being telling frame, me right now yeah. is these young dudes were beaten off over their wash sports cards. I'm not going to say they're that's pretending. Exactly what are we doing? That's what it is. But yeah, it. it Basically, it would give the impression that your cards were covered in, you know, 
So, did you uh, suspect some of your opponents were involved in those nefarious activities? I mean, man, I you know, I, I, he, he I was, was nine playing Pokemon. What do you think? <laughs> that was that was Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, when I was, well, I don't expect nine year olds to be jerking off over Squirtle. Well, why? Why Schwartz was a little later in my life cycle. I, I don't think that game came out for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Weiss also weird. is not a. They don't. They license other yes, stuff, yeah. right? So they there's Attack on Titan, which is a very famous anime. Yeah. That, that's their new set. And it's 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 the rules somehow limit what sets you can yeah, build. Yeah, so you right? basically pick whatever show or game yeah. you like, and you play the characters from that. Well, Magic show or does game. that to a point, right? I guess so. Yeah, on, you on pick, a much softer way. It's like you pick a color, and, and, and no, you do but that. Magic do IP. Oh right, right yeah, yeah. Nowadays, Dungeons they, they Dragons do was an IP at some point, but there's like Baldur's yeah. Gate or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's really the most like the corporate extreme of that where yeah, yeah. every so single Paul, set they, is a new IP. There's all these cartoon shows, anime, and they license it and make that set. Yeah. Every new set is a new anime. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong, like I love the mechanics of the game, but I generally found but that's it how they, very that's weird. the layer on top yeah. is what Pokemon has, but they go and find a popular anime and make a set on that, which then, so you get a lot of people will buy that set purely because they watch the anime, not because yeah. they play the game. So they and don't they don't invent their own stories. They no. piggyback off yes. which other isn't, which IP. is fine. They, they Lego do that as well, right? Yeah, Legos. they create the um the effect the of the cards, yeah. but all the images are licensed. And I mean, okay. they've gotten really big now. I think they, they've got Star Wars. They've yeah, got they're huge. bloody Toy Story cars. Yeah, yeah. Why I mean, Swords? Huh? Why Swords? Does? Yeah, has, yeah, 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 yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, I got tagged in some stuff on Facebook, and I was like, this is getting very, very strange. But back when by I was the way, playing, it would just be by far some of the best quality cards. Like if you're gonna get a quad ten when you grade something, Weiss, Weiss and Dragon Ball are the only two you have a high chance. Yeah, like from any pack to get why they just printed so well, man. I, I, I I've, I've I, I don't know. My sister has them, but I've opened like a couple of cases with her because she loves anime. So that was a little um birthday present. I think they know that there's. Because like Dragon Ball is a massive IP, it's there's true high collectability, yeah. and a lot of people they go, oh, I want to collect the the ultra rare cards for my favorite anime, mm. so they'll go and collect them. Um, it just so happened that you know sometimes those shows have you know, fourteen year old girls who are like wearing underwear, bikinis, and stuff like that, and like I don't want to be looking at that all day when I'm playing. Um, and it kind of well, sucks it does as well. attract like from what I it does attract some some weird like it weirder than does. you would probably find. Did in you fab. did you? Pair against some very strange yeah, people. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Like some freaks. Yeah, there are people whose hands I didn't <laughs> shake. Everyone that plays, like, <laughs> everyone that plays wise is on sub. Yeah, right you now. could even like I, I. Part of the thing that made me uncomfortable was that I wanted to play the best deck, and sometimes the best deck was highly pornographic. And I. Was, what are we talking? Are we talking soft core? How, how deep are these it's, images? It's get, anime. Yeah. It's 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 not. What are we saying? Pornographic. Sex? Is I mean, you're getting real close to it. There are okay. some like. I'm just trying to. Daniel Lee, I know you're out there, buddy. Um, <laughs> like I legit have never seen a packet of Weiss Swartz. That's I'm not asking these well, questions. Uh, Alpha so Investments opens a chunk of it, and that's he just makes jokes the I'll whole just, time. Like, pull them up. Show me the most. What's what's the? Oh, show no, me the most I know exactly. Explicit, what's one of the sets? Show called? me the most explicit. Isn't isn't image one of the sets called Rent a Girlfriend? No game, no game, no life. Um, no, but one of the sets is called like Rent a Girlfriend. Oh yeah, Rent a Girlfriend. Yeah, there's a Rent a Girlfriend's a set. <laughs> yeah, that's um. Okay, here <laughs> we go. Is, do you need to know more? <laughs> I can't remember if this was a um a pro. Oh, okay, here we go. You, you it's kind of. Poorly, I'll put this up on the screen. Poorly for disguised for uh behind a, a little signature, but like 
yeah, stuff like that. I'm just like, okay, yeah. It's, that, right, it's I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of. Yeah, I see. But it's sexual. I think that I'm. I'm yeah, that's not, that's here. a very tasteful look. It no, doesn't. It, it doesn't. <laughs> flo- it doesn't float my boat. No, no, like, but think of the difference between like, like a little bit more meat on the bones. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also like them to be of legal age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's, that's what I was about to say. So, like magic and flesh and blood, the, the art more mature. Full yes, stuff. absolutely. Gore and stuff. Mm. So when you have a any like sexualized female character, the fat doesn't have much sexualized. Yeah, I, I can see no, what no, they're doing but, there. But there's difference. Hmm. When when it's like the girl's twelve in the in the anime, but it's sexualized. That, but it's okay, what? John, because she's actually a twelve thousand year old vampire. That's how they so justify so. it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Look, it also, it's it's not just because the characters like it doesn't mean that's why people play it or anything. It's just, it's just, I'm sure it's just part of the yeah. culture. I mean, speaking of art, I find it, and it, this has always been kind of a mental block for me. I find it really hard to play a game competitively when I don't like the art of the cards that I'm playing. I would have um, the same issue. Agreed. So, for example, the reason I don't play Brutes um, is because well, I actually, I just don't like the artwork. But, but uh, no, see, f- I agree with that. It, the art style is not appealing to me. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate the, you know, the artistic complexity of, of creating that artwork, but to me, it's just not what tickles my pickle. Whereas Yazi. stuff like... <laughs> Yazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, stuff like Prism, I find the the yeah you know the auras, um, the yellow auras in particular, that stained glass cathedral yeah, style. It's I think it's very very oh, pretty. Yeah. Ode to Wrath and yeah, um, really really nice. Yeah, Ode to Wrath and Parable yeah. in particular, I think yeah. very nice artwork. Dory, I'm also on board with. Yeah. Lexi, I think is just there are some nice color, like pretty colors there. No, no, but it's thematic, right? Like it's yes. I, I, for yeah. sure you need to like, and and they've done a good job in Fab with the light and dark stuff, like. Like good, yeah. and, it's not good and bad. James James sort of explained that recently in an interview. It's like there's no good and bad. It's <laughs> Chain's perspective is that Solana's the enemy. Like he's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we might look at it different, but yeah. and I um, think it's it's good that in Fab as well, um, because like I said, this has been an issue for me in some other games where I didn't want to play the best deck because I just hated the artwork so much, and that crippled how well I was doing, particularly in Magic. Um, but in Fab. I have always found a deck that is top tier or close to it that I've been able to play competitively and still enjoy the artwork. Like you will never see me play Viserai because I don't like how some of the cards in Viserai well, look. I right now, look I'm not to me. completely sold on Dromai, but sure. by God, the art is the sick. marbles are so amazing. Full rarity, yeah. <laughs> and mm. Prism's one of those too. It's just yeah. Even if you're not playing it, it's so cool to collect all the rare ones. Yeah. I'm very lucky that Prism, which is definitely my favorite deck in the game is also artistically very artistically yeah. Yeah, yeah very very pretty deck and uh, it's not just the sexy librarian it's everything right else. exactly i understand yeah. i used to be a librarian no oh, here we go well let's school. keep let's keep cruising <laughs> so primary school high school yeah competitive tcgs you're sure. all about that yeah finish school yeah. started university okay okay because your day well you're actually retired semi i don't know okay. <laughs> well we'll get into that in a second so um your profession outside, you... Yeah, law. I mean, um, so I, my background's in finance and law. Okay. Um, I'm still sort of figuring out exactly where I'm... Like, I, I, I've, you know, I've worked for insurance firms and law firms and things like that in the past, but I, um, I, I really enjoy card games and I very much like to do something with card games that no one has done before, um, career-wise. Um, which is here's a here's a this is some hot news for you. Oh, my my absolute dream with card games by far, and it's not it doesn't just stop at card games. It extends to games 
as a whole is I would love to formalize the education system um, around games in in a much better way than it's done right now. So you can go and get a degree in, you know, game design, but it's basically just a coding degree. Yep. Card designers don't have degrees in card design. It's not something that you can go to university and get a bachelor of TCGs. Sure. Um, you can't go to a university and get a, a bachelor of, you know, PlayStation. Stuff like that doesn't exist. But there's clearly a demand for it. I mean, gaming is the largest growing industrial sector by a significant margin year to year. Um, it's outgrowing the entertain like the movie industry. It's outgrowing yeah, that. Yeah, hugely so. And it's predicted, you know, some some economists predict it to be potentially, you know, one of the top three industry sectors by uh, 2050. Um, so, and potentially even earlier than that. Yeah. But there's no one who has like a place we can go and get like a diploma and, and learn how to write, you know, the a game story. Yeah. How to write a game essentially. Because yeah. the, it's like a complex storytelling is very important. Maths is very important. Game mechanics and balance are very important, which are also maths. But I think the people that do well are creative, but have a very good grasp of maths. Yeah. And I think, but I'm sure there's plenty of game designers with a great imagination and not a good grasp of maths. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people get promoted into a position where they are, now a game designer or something like that. But at their heart, they're just a gamer, which is fine. It's great to do the thing that you love. But if you really want to have games hit that next level, I think it would be fantastic if someone finally was like, you know, you can come to the the, the Phil Mackay school of how to card game real good. And, and I mean, I, I'd, I'd, be, exactly I'd be your that. first student, And, and by th- the way. to be honest, I mean, this extends to a bunch of other things like how to manage a team, like yeah, how to sure. commentating for esports. There's a whole range of, of skills, skills that which, are by the way, are highly paid skills. Like Very highly be, paid skills. You make millions of dollars in either one of those fields yeah. designing the games and making them, playing them at a high level, and commentating them. Yeah. They're all million dollar jobs. So now. is that a vision that you have? That's is like, that something that you. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I mean, I, I definitely I see the pathway, I, I know how to get there. It's just a matter of um, getting to that point. And part of the, the way of getting to that point right now is um, part of these lectures that I'm, that I'm writing. Um, All right, let's get into say, that. Let's get into yeah. that. And then, and then we'll go back to the deep okuff. stuff. Let's, let's, get into le- let's go back into lectures. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so this is a series of uh, 10 lectures. Um, the first of which I tried to upload today, but I don't understand how technology works. I'm going to try again tomorrow morning. Um, I think my internet just didn't. I'll give you a hand. Yeah where, yeah, where are you going to upload? Oh, it's, it it's all going to be uploaded on um, on YouTube on uh, my repurposed YouTube channel, which is just called Philpsy. Um, which I'll link it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, essentially, it's ten lectures about fundamentals of card games, um, which range from. I mean, the first first episode is how to read cards, and that's not just like a comprehension. Although I think that's like you know definitely a few people could work on reading comprehension in card games, but I'm one of them. Absolutely. I don't read my cards. That's the problem. Yeah, That's I, one of my fatal mistakes. <laughs> I do something and then I read the card and go, shit, it doesn't actually work that way. I've got some Aussie bites if you... Um, yeah, because it's, you, <laughs> you can't... I, I learned read. very quickly, you can't skim read. You can't. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't gloss. You have to actually like it, between every full stop or hyphen or whatever, get a good understanding of what that first bit says. So are these yeah. lectures, You do we see your face? Are you reading to how they... So they'll, they'll be done as... Um, you won't see my face. Okay. Um, I'll have... You know, it, essentially, you'll just be able to listen to them. Um, but there'll also be, 
some graphics on screen which you can look at for you know further clarification um zooming in on card effects and things like that yeah um so starting off with yeah like how to read cards but not in the comprehension sense like how to you know what are the important things to look at on a card starting from there going all the way to you know finally building your first deck and then even the last two episodes will be about game psychology um when you're playing at a competitive event what do you need to think about how do you actually need to play can properly? i write the lecture about not raging um I think you'll find I'm actually an expert on that. <laughs> John can write the lecture on not scooping to your friends to guarantee their time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. shit. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, Sorry. Continue. But yeah, I think it, it's just something that um, kind of existed more in the past. I think, you know, we had things like Patrick Chapin, um, where whatever you think about him as a person, um, what he wrote with Next Level Magic and Next Level Deck Building mm. is some very good theory mm. that a lot of people have never thought about it. Even top players have never thought about this sort of stuff. And it's very easy to make your game better by just thinking about these very, very small things. And if you even only take 5% of what I say in these lectures and add that to your game, your game will improve a substantial amount. And I, I can genuinely promise that everyone will find something um, that's of use to them. It doesn't matter how good you are. And the reason I say that is just because even if you know all of it, it's good to have a refresher. Um, a lot of this is just, I, I've read just everything. You used to have to get this stuff from subscription magazines. That's right. Right? Um, this is like, yeah, mid-2000s, like yep. even earlier than that. And if you didn't get it, then you had, I, I don't know how you could find it if you didn't get the magazines back then. Mm. Um, and people were writing articles behind paywalls on um, various websites. Uh, if you didn't have those articles, you weren't paying back then. Those articles are gone now. You cannot find them anymore. And some of that stuff was really, really good info. Um, and unfortunately, some of it's still available, but it's behind a paywall that no longer works and you just can't access it. So I always loved reading all of that theory. Why is this card better? Like, you know, why is, you know a two cost card that does three damage better than a three cost card that does four damage, like things like that. Mm. Um, that does, uh, confuses me. Yeah. And, and I yeah. mean, there's definitely, cause it's easy to go. Maths. That's one for six. I should take that instead of that one for three. Even when you read the text on a card, it's, it's hard to, and synergies. Yeah. Very I think hard to tell what works with what, like in the scope of a deck. Absolutely. That's yeah. why I net deck. I can't, yeah. I can I can build a Dory deck now because I've built all of them and now I can see what you're going to replace with what, but every other deck I have to just go back to someone else. It's even something as simple as like, why is Snatch played competitively, but um, what is it? Wounding Blow, the zero cost 4-3. Um, the, yeah. Do you guys know the card I'm talking about? Is that yeah. Wounding Blow? Wounding, wounding Blow or something like that? Uh, it's it's is the that generic. when your health is lower? No, 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 no. It's just the generic, no text on it. Zero mm. cost, deals four, blocks for three from right. the first set of the game. Okay. Right? Pitch is red. Okay. Zero, four, three. So, like, why is Snatch played competitively? Well, I mean, but other than it drawing a card. Okay, but why is drawing a card better than one block? Like, things like that. Like, there's sure. an actual mathematical reason behind it. But a lot of people, very correctly so, Take can snatch. probably say, yeah, they don't know why they're the taking Snatch right? over. And they yeah. just say, oh, it draws a card. Like, why is drawing a card good? Right? So, yep. there are very, like, minute things like that, which you don't need to know. But if you do know, it then makes it so that when the next set comes out, you know what you're looking for already. Probably helps right? in draft a lot. Absolutely helps yep. in draft, right? To be able to, like, pick up values of a card. I think a great example as well is like why is life for a life, which is uh, a 
basically Scar for a Scar with extra text that costs one more. Yep. Why is that not played, but Scar for a Scar is played? Is it just because it costs one more? Why is one cost so important? Like these are all the questions that I want people to start asking themselves yep. when they watch or listen to um, the content that I'm putting out. And it would be great for me if anyone just gets a small benefit out of that because there are so many things that I think have never been compiled in this way. And I'm not keeping it just a fab. I'll be using examples from every game um, that I've ever played or that I've ever seen. And they're all coherent. Um, you'll understand them even if you haven't played the game. It's because some examples are just better proven with simpler cards in other games. Fab is a very complicated game. When it comes to the any given card has so much information on it. I mean, you compare, like, you know, even if you haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh, everyone knows what Pot of Greed does, right? You don't I know don't, what Pot of Greed no, does? No idea. Okay, it's very simple. It just says, draw two cards. Right. Okay. That's very easy to understand, right? Whereas you look at a Fab card, you look at Gorganian Tome, for example, it just says, draw one card, but it's way more complicated than that. It is. Because it's draw one card, but it can't pitch, and also and it, it can't, can't block. block. And you can only have one of them in the deck, and if right. your opponent has one in the graveyard, you then it draws two. two. Yeah. yeah. So, in on one hand, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pot of Greed's banned. We, can, we know why it's banned, because of the mechanics of that game, it makes it a banned card. Mm. Why is Gorg Tome acceptable as a power level in this game? And mediocre in this game, in most decks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different mm. micro considerations to have, and I think it would be great, and I'm happy to be that person, um, for someone to go out there and really look at a game from a very critical perspective. And I think there are certain things that you know the designers are thinking of when they're designing their cards there are certain things that they know about the design process that have never been shared with us um and you can reverse engineer some of that stuff if you think about it closely enough if you really get down to the nitty-gritty you can kind of figure out what are the golden formulas that lss is using you can't figure out all of them of mm -hmm. course but you can get pretty damn close and when you can figure those out it just adds this level of depth and complexity that I really love. It's, you know, kind of the difference between, you know, cooking out of a packet and then understanding why you put those ingredients in there sure. and, and why, where those flavors come from. And that's what I love about card games so much. It's just that inherent complexity from so many moving parts and so many great minds in the background trying to come up with something that's just a piece of art. Can you rotary learn a t fab? Okay, can I, can like, you know what that means. Okay, yeah. explain rotary learn. You, you know, you bright mind, you know, grew up in selective schools. You know all about that academic rotary learning, you know, basically learning how to uh, go to tutoring to learn how to not so much learn the content, but learn the exam. Yeah. Can you, can you do that with a TCG? Can you rotary learn a TCG or does it take a higher mind I to become great at, at a TCG? I have a good example of that. Yeah, and I think I'm about to give the same one. Um, <laughs> 100%. There's a lot of current national or, or like high-level players. I, I think I'm thinking of Tarek Patel, but I think he was already a Magic Pro when he won Fab, but he jumped in built a red line bride deck and won. I don't think he had a good grasp of the mechanics or an in-depth view of the game. I think he just had enough theory that he could see it. Sure. I think you can definitely... Um, but you can also download Hayden Dale's deck and yes, yeah. win a pro quest. And, and it, it, That's happened. It, it, it happened at well, um, Chromatic, more or less. Yeah. Um, but it, it depends on the deck, I think. Mm. So like, if someone copies like my prism that I won at PQ Canberra in for the first series of PQs. That was, yeah. People people copy that deck and they're like, this is crap, right? This doesn't work. Um, 
On the other hand, Paul, what are your favorite three colors? Are they blue, <laughs> green, and yellow? Congratulations, you're a Starvo main. <laughs> it's like it's very easy to Correct. just pick up Starvo, now, and you when can it tell existed. because the, the like the Michael Hamiltons of the world who can pitch stack went nuts with that deck, like what yeah. they could do. But at the raw level, you pretty much give that deck to anybody and in the right field with a little bit of luck, make day two anyway. Yeah, you can flowchart send decks. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, Rotary Learn, I'm basing getting at. Is there, is there a list of rules or is there a set of exercises that someone can do to become a great player? Or does it take more than that? Does it take some sort of intuition or some brilliance that you can't quantify to really get good at a TCG? Or is there a curriculum or something that you can set out that can get someone to the next level? So there's actually a really interesting um, psychological theory about this. Um, so this comes from... God, now I've forgotten the author. But anyway, essentially what it is is there's a pyramid and there's four tiers on the pyramid. Uh, and different people label them different ways. Uh, I label them, I say... The bottom tier is called unconscious incompetence. And it's where usually when you just start doing something, it's not just TCGs, it could be cooking, it could be running, whatever. And it's where you don't know just how bad you are. You you have no clue how trash you are at the game. You get up to the, the next tier. The reason we use a pyramid is because there are fewer people in every tier as we go up. Uh, the next tier is um, unconscious, uh, sorry, is um, conscious incompetence. Right, is where you finally start to realize, yeah, I'm actually kind of bad at what I'm doing. And that's when you start learning. Once you hit that that Acceptance. next tier up, yeah, it, exactly. You, it, once you realize that, that's when you can actually start to really improve. You usually need to kick off your ass to get from the bottom to, to the, the third tier up. Then you get to the second tier, which is conscious competence. And this is what a lot of people say um, in academics or, you know, especially they are surgeons about these sorts of things, is you know exactly how good you are right you know exactly where you sit in the leaderboard you know exactly how good you are at heart surgery you know exactly how good of an author you are so on and so forth and you can actually quantify that then there's a level above that um which is unconscious competence and this is a level which you can't actually teach so this is like some people call it talent or i would call you, that reps you have a gift I, I don't necessarily for a lot think of things though it's reps. If if you have some base yeah, talent, I, I think gen generally so the the theorem behind this one is that that is something that you can't get from reps. You can get okay. the conscious competence. You can improve your conscious competence right with repetition, becoming better and better at that. Some people just have a knack for something. Like these are your you know Roger Federer's mm. or, or you know Miles sure. Davis or Chick Corea. Um, you know, Gordon Ramsay's, the people like this who are just so stellar at something and they've just got, there's just something they've got that, you know, special primordial ooze that led to them being born was just different. I definitely think there are so many things that you can teach people. But when you, when you say like learning by rote, I, I kind of visualize just like I give you a flow chart and mm. then you go and play, right? I, I think that's a little different to, you know, say following someone's Patreon or YouTube or something and actually learning from them. I don't think that's rote at that point. I think that's, you've actually gained a level of skill. And if you take the flow chart away, you can still do it. But yes, a hundred percent in any field, there is always going to be someone who is just exceptionally 
talented, exceptionally good in some way. It may not even necessarily be um, playing. Uh, and I think like I'm definitely much better at things that are not playing card games that are still related to card games. Like when it comes to deck building and theory and cracking formats um, and teaching other people to be good, coaching other players, you know, I'm very, very proud that um, in particular Fu and Ryan Bell, who are two players who I've played a lot with, uh, especially when they were not quite as good at the game, have now become exceptionally good players. I haven't gotten better, right? But that's, that's where my skill lies. Some people are just ridiculously good at playing the game. They can just execute so well. And they can't build a deck. To yeah, save sure. Life. Sometimes they're terrible deck builders. In they're fact, very good the, decision makers though. Yeah, they can like pilot that chart them. for them immediately they, they, they just understand yeah right. and, and some people are definitely on that level and i think if you are on that level you don't know until you just kind of break through one day i'd equate that like just tell me if i'm wrong phil when you were speaking about that uh top tier you know mm. when i hear that i can use the analogy you know in sports particularly in boxing where you can't teach someone to be a hard puncher Right. They either, you know, you can be a heavy, like you either are a heavy puncher or you're not. You can teach everyone the techniques, how to, you know, shift your weight from your back foot to your front foot, how to turn your hips, how to, you know, follow through with your punches. You can teach them everything, get fitter, get stronger. But some people just have a heavy hand. Absolutely. I don't know yeah. what it is. They just have it. They, they've just got it. Would you compare that to the same thing with that top tier? Yeah, I, I agree. TCGs? Absolutely. I think a, a great example, if you want to use boxing, is you know, no one is going to say that Bruce Lee was not a phenomenal fighter. Mike Tyson is also a phenomenal fighter. If you put Bruce Lee and Mike Tyson in the ring together when they were at their primes, I love Bruce Lee, but he would get absolutely fucking destroyed. Why? Because Mike Tyson, at his prime, was an animal. This guy just had something, without turning this into the Joe Rogan podcast, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> Am I did. Joe Rogan in this? Yeah, I yeah, think you are. Sure. Yeah. Mike Tyson was a freak. He, he was an absolute animal. I literally animal. today watched an watched a Instagram short of him explaining like how much he got bullied. He used to be the bitch. And then he's like, he was, he was asking, because it still confuses him. He's like, how was I the bitch growing up? get beat up, anyone could do anything to me. And then a few years later, I'm the baddest motherfucker in the world. Right. And he just had that he goes, in him. I'd just go in the ring and I would become an animal. Like he's, he couldn't explain. Dude, he still when, can't. When he was 15, yeah. he was sparring 21-year-olds yeah, and crazy. knocking them out. He was knocking out professional 21-year-olds when he was 15. But this the guy is, was a this freak. This is my input to your, um, okay. to your lectures. Because yeah. I, I do, this is something I believe in. I, I did jujitsu competitively. I I don't have a killer instinct. Like, I don't have some daddy issue where I get fucking hatred and want to kill you if you hit me. You know what I mean? Some people have that, like, you, they snap the haze. It's like, yeah. you hit them in the face and then they kill you because that's just how they're wired. I didn't have that. I literally did the time, the best, like, this is no exaggeration. The best performance I ever did in jujitsu was a gold and a silver. I literally, before going in, I'm like, Kill him, kill him, kill him. I, I had to go in <laughs> thinking, don't like fucking go for points or like survival mode. Like, because I, it, for me in jujitsu, I'd consider a win not tapping. Like if you mm. could go five minutes and not make me tap, I win because I'm not even trying to tap you. I had to go for like, no, 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 like grab him by the throat and make him tap. And, and I did. 
but it's very like I got to dig deep to like very deep. Maybe it's lack of trauma in my life. I don't know, but I, I really have to dig deep to get that like uh, rage or the fighter instinct. I think a lot of that subliminal or subconscious stuff is more emotional than than talent. Like so I think if you really like if you're if the weight of you winning is pretty heavy and you've put in the reps, you have more chance of winning most things than someone who doesn't care or has won before and has less hunger. Like I think there's an emotional subconscious level that so do you plays think, in. Do you think that emotional subconscious thing that we tap into for say physical prowess in that sort of sport, does it translate to the TCG? World? Absolutely. It translates to anything that has to do with any level of skill. I mean, why is Magnus Carlsen the best chess player in the world? Because he's a fucking freak. This guy is just a superhuman, right? Even chess computers sometimes don't understand what he's doing. And then a couple of yep. minutes later, they go, oh, actually, no, 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 no. we get it. Yep. Um, same in, in card games. There are definitely going to be times. And I don't know if we've even actually seen this human being yet. Um, but there's someone out Nick there. Butcher. Is it Butch? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy is a freak. Yeah, yeah. Nick, freak Nick, player. Nick definitely has some some moments where he just like does some stuff and it's very impressive, right? And there's no clear logic sometimes behind it, but it just works. And, you know, m- maybe those people are out there who like, you know, those... Prodigies you know, or yeah, what's the other word? You know, yeah. those legendary super saiyans. I think, I I mean, our experience of that recently would have been Jason Chung at at the calling, like piloting his deck, helping two other decks, winning the thing. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, did he win? No, he didn't win. Top, top something. Yeah, he topped. Like, that's crazy to to be that good that you can not just pay attention to your world class performance. I think he went eleven one, which is the best record in the room. Was eleven one? Three players got eleven one. One of shout out to our teammate, my teammate. Paul's friend. Um, well one, one thing, I'll give you an example. Um, I watch like weird documentaries on YouTube. The powerlifter, deadlift, whatever the guy did, he'd, he'd plateaued at like 500 pounds or whatever stupid number he was lifting. The way they got him over was like some, not like hypnotism, but they his psychologist got him to imagine his kids being in a car accident. And then... He he uses that now, and he, he that was the only way. After years of not getting the world record, he got the world record. Is before he lifts, he imagines his kids are pinned under a car. And the last lift he did, like literally blood trickling down his nose, and he lifts like fifty something kilos more that, than he's ever lifted in his yeah, life. That's a, that's actually interesting. Like that 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 tapping into that psychology, like. You know, I know even for TCGs, like there has been matches that I've gone into and before the match, I've just told myself, I'm not fucking losing this match. Mm. Like literally. And you know you're not going to lose. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. lose this match. Like how how much does that play into TCGs? How, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued about this. I'm very intrigued about this whole mental state and... Um, uh, having a attitude like you know, like people like uh, I keep telling you, how are you, mate? Maddie Folks, you know yep. what I mean? Like ex MTG player. <laughs> people people <laughs> say what they want about Maddie, but you know the guy, the guy, you know he's he he has that winning mindset. Yeah, you know he really goes to these tournaments just thinking he ain't gonna bloody lose. You know, um, whereas I most games I go into, I'm just thinking ah, oh, win lose, who cares? You know, it's probably why I lose so much. But 
you know, how how much does that have to do with the mindset and, and really forging that mental, uh, uh, that uh, frame of mind where you go into the match just thinking, no, I'm better than that person. I'm going to do everything I can to beat them. Losing's not an option. Like, is that is that something you touch on in your lectures? Yeah, or? absolutely. So in the last two, we'll definitely look into that sort of thing. And I think, um, I don't like using myself as an example for these sorts of things, but my PQ at Grimdark, um, that I won was a, I went XO and I already knew before I stepped in that I was going to win. Um, doesn't matter what my matchups were. I knew I was going to win that event. Um, because did Mitch know you were going to win that event? Uh, well he, he knew after I <laughs> beat him, <laughs> but, uh, I, I went in just like, yep. yeah, I'm so confident on the deck that I'm playing. Hmm. I, um, I do think there's no right answer anyway. Yeah. I like, think it's, I think yeah. if you put in enough, like it, it, it's like, it's literally like a flow chart. If you put in the work, and the reps, your confidence will be higher. Yes. You'd need confidence to win. Some people put in the reps and not feel confident and win and they gain confidence. And like, it, I think every personality is different too. I think yeah. if you, you're naturally confident, that's an edge. I think if you're naturally not confident, but it motivates you to work harder, it's an edge to not be confident. It really depends on you, but then figuring out what you need to do to win. Because um, there's people definitely that are always defeatist. Even when they win, they go back and go, "I could have done, done better. I could have done yeah. better." Like yeah. that that type of person is. And then you got Brent Gordon, who eleven one at the calling, uh, similar like played card. He's played high level card games forever. Went in there to have fun. He's like yelling scabbies, walking around his cane. Didn't care if he won or lost, and won eleven one. Yeah, probably because he cared less than most of his opponents, and that was an edge for him. But I think you've got to find. 100% is no answer for everyone. That like that is not the same yeah, answer. Yeah, you have to find everyone. what works yeah. for you. And everyone has a different like positive cycle that helps. Um I think so I played Star Wars Destiny. I played one event of Star Wars Destiny, which was the National Championships, and it was the first event that I ever played Star Wars Destiny and I came top 4. Um I don't care about Star Wars that much. Sorry for all the fans out there. I've now I've, I've been forced to watch it. <laughs> That's finally. for you, Outcast Haven. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had never played the game before. It's a dice-based game. I hate dice. Um, I try to stay away from them as much as possible. But I was testing with the best player in the country um, for you know a month beforehand. I'd built a deck that no one else was playing. And I we already knew before we showed up. We were like, yeah, we're really confident. We're going to do well. I knew my mate was going to do really well. He made top four as well. My first event ever, I made top four for a game that I'd pretty much never played before. And that came down to, if I showed up and I, because I didn't know what anyone else's cards did yep. a lot of the time, right? But I knew what my deck did and I knew exactly what it was trying to do. And my friend had said to me, yeah, yeah it'll work. You just have to kind of read what everyone else is doing while they're doing it, but you'll win. Um, and that's basically what happened. But I had the confidence going in to say, well, you know, Almo has, um, if you guys don't know Almo, he used to run Good Games Epping. Um, he basically set me up with all the knowledge that I needed and the rest of it was just having faith in myself to actually go forward and, and execute that game plan. Um, if I didn't have that, then I would have spent the whole time going, oh, well, I guess I won't play the card because maybe they have some way of interacting with it. No, I just played the, played the damn cards and, yep. and rolled the dice and, and you know do this thing and then I win. And When it, you talked about the pyramid, that's something I was going to say. Subconscious incompetence is not always a disadvantage. If you're new, sometimes 
just knowing what you need to do and not paying attention to the opponent really helps. Yeah, it's a good step forward. <laughs> like, I'm serious, because you can sometimes, you'll be winning, and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm not blocking correctly, and then go in a loop of overblocking for a few <laughs> weeks and losing matches that you don't, because you, you know what I mean? Like, it's not as simple as knowing more is not always an advantage. You have to you, know what you're doing with well, it. Well, you right? also have to. Well, you have to be able to process information. Most slow players in our game are slow players because they're absorbing more information than they actually need to. They're they're not thinking about like what they can control. They're thinking about what they can't control, like yeah. what's in their arsenal. Yeah. Don't fucking try and guess what's in their arsenal. Play the game correctly. So this like, is actually like you can't. You know, like if someone has a pummel in their arsenal, are no, you really just, going yeah. to block four more? No, then don't even worry if there's a like. Yeah. Can you block? Like it's an easy flow chart. For yes. me, because yeah. I go, I ain't playing around a razor because if I do, I lose. If I block, like I can tell straight away, if I block with that card, I lose the game. If I have a razor, I lose the game. But the only chance of winning is keeping the card. Yeah, play so your outs, exactly. But a lot of people will freeze in that scenario because they're, they're thinking of the knowledge they cannot possibly get. And then they freeze for 20 minutes thinking about a line that doesn't exist. This is literally the reason I gave Stephen Breyer, even though I think he's like one of the finest minds to ever play sure. card games. Um, Do not worry about your first, opponent. Yeah, first yep. deck, learning core mechanics of the game. And as you said, when you played against him, you know, he asked you about... He asked me the, like a very high level question for someone who's been playing for So no this is time. the Google guy? Yeah, 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 this yeah. is the brain? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we were playing and I go... Dumb rain game. man? Yeah. And he and absolutely is rain man. Yeah. He, he got like... I, I did... A dominate attack twice like two turns in a row he goes am i allowed to block with armor from can i block a dominate attack with armor like he figured that out immediately going wait that's a bit unfair that i can't block <laughs> right yeah. and and i wasn't meaning to like not tell him i just will i explain he can only block with one from hand and i think he already knew what dominate man. it was just a fun it's a weird question because most new players you'd have to tell them they can block with armor yeah he was asking, like, what are my other options here? <laughs> yeah, and I think just taking damage to the face. Th that's exactly what I mean. That's, like, a, a really good example of someone who clearly just has, like, a, mm. a, a very good brain for thinking about these sorts of things. If you look at what I was building back when Fab first came out, my decks were terrible, man. So when did you get into Fab? Oh, my spoiler was Goliath Gauntlet, so before the game existed. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My spoiler was literally Goliath Gauntlet. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What, what do like, you mean by spoiler? Spoiler season for Welcome to Wraith. My spoiler was... Oh, I, you got given yeah, a spoiler? Yeah, I got given a spoiler. It was Goliath Gauntlet. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd yeah, you yeah. spoil it? On my Facebook page. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, you have one more spoiler than Yazi. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yazi! <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, yeah, so I reached out to... Oh, I think it was Alan Hale at the time who was there. And I really liked the look of the game. Um, and I was happy to push it because I was in a bit of a rut with TCGs. So I just won Keyforge Nationals. And that game was, and still is, I hate to say this, FFG, but that game was fucking trash, bro. <laughs> it's so imbalanced. Richard Garfield, wow. <laughs> oh, man. That game was so busted, it's not funny. You could kill people on turn one. You could time walk them for six turns in a row. That was me. It was just a weird game. Like you buy something that could give you a random deck that yeah. you never can get again. Like it's yeah. so weird. It was, so, it was such a cool concept. And so then weird. the, you know, the 15 people in the world like me who on day one realized that instead of just trying to crack the deck that I wanted, I would just go and find a list of cards that I wanted to be in my deck and go buy it off someone instead. 
did that, rock up to nationals with three absolutely insane decks and just exoed the entire thing. Um, I was really sick of that game because I didn't find the competitive community very good at all. FFG has a history of being a little bit shaky when it comes to organized play. Um, you know, and then a, an intern, you know, spilled their iced tea on the algorithm and it broke. This is real, by the way. Um, uh, long story, but like not something for this podcast. But I was in a bit of a, a rut where I didn't have a good game that I wanted to play. I wanted to, um, I think Good Games Epic had just closed and I had this incredible group of friends there we used to play Dragon Ball with uh, and, you know, like every Tuesday night we'd play Dragon Ball and then 15 of us would go and get chicken and beers uh, at the local Korean. Um, fantastic. Then Good Games Epping closed and we lost that. Um, so I was trying to find something else to play and I heard about Fab from... I honestly, I I can't remember. Um, I think it might have been I, an ad popped up or like a. Did they had something. something like a Kickstarter? Yeah, like it was something like support that. Support them yeah. directly or something. And right? I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I. You would have got yourself some, iron rot stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cool. In hindsight, <laughs> um, I'm I'm not a huge proponent of. Uh, Pre, yeah, ne- yeah, me neither. Yeah. Pre- Actually, in the TCG world, Kickstarters are trash. Yes. Like, yeah. as, a, as a rule, they're trash. The life cycle of the average card game is four to six years, right? Which is, in terms of investment, is not great, right? And your rags uh, versus riches percentage is like heavily skewed towards the rags yep. side. Uh, the vast majority of games never get past their first year, all these sorts of things. So I was interested in it, New Zealand developer, all these sorts of things. So I reached out. And I said I wanted to foster the community. I ran a bunch of learn-to-plays. I bought a couple cases when the game came out. I still have one sitting at home um, of Alpha Wraith. And I... Case or box? Case. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I, I, We're going to open it on Fluke and Box <laughs> right after this. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely For not. For your YouTube <laughs> channel, right? <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't want to become an unboxing channel. Um, but yeah, don't do it. Yeah, the... Um, the game seemed really cool to me. I liked this. The, is the 2019 then? Yes, 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely 2019. So uh, I got a couple friends kind of interested in it and we had a good time with it. I think the first legendary that I ever pulled was the cold foil. Um, actually, I have with me right now. So I didn't, this, this has gone so well. I have actually with me in this plastic case the first card that I ever opened. From Flesh and Blood, the f- very first card. That so I this ever was opened. in your first pack. You My opened. first pack right. of Flesh and Blood Here we go. that I ever opened. And I brought it because I'm going to ask John to grade it for me. Tunic. Whoa! Is, so what, first, what I want to show it. Is? I want to show. Yeah, what do you think it is? Scabbies or tunic is my guess. look. I can't look. A heart would be obvious if it's your first pack, but I can't say that. I'm gonna. Hmm. This is an interesting one. Let's go with a maybe a mask. John? Tunic. I'm gonna show it to yeah. Paul first. Whoa, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. This is a beautiful segue, actually. Yeah. Is this magnetic or screwed? It's mag. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty gorgeous. I'll show the cam. It's my um, foil, foily strike oh. from uh, from my first. And, and at the time, you wouldn't have had a clue what this is going to be worth or how rare it is. No, in fact, I, 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 I you know, there's it. only four hundred of these, right? Four hundred. Mm. Yeah. Foil majestics. There's like just as many as there are hearts of each. Yeah. So I, 
Uh, I was the first card in the first pack that I ever opened. That's sick. Um, and I stuck it in um, this case yep. because I also cracked three regular E-Strikes, my Alpha <laughs> E-Strikes, and I've been using them the normal ever ones, since yeah. then. <laughs> That's <laughs> sick. So I never bothered, you know, shuffling this into a deck. I've just always used my other ones and yep. it's just been sitting here um, ungraded. You know, on I mean, my desk, and I grading it's it one thing. Yeah, it's, it's so sought after. But if you're going to keep it, you grade it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I if I like I tried selling it at one point, and I wasn't happy with um, the people who were offering, and also the offers that were being given. Yep. So uh, I know, I know someone right now that wants one. Yeah, um, I've got to deliver like twenty thousand dollars worth of cards to him at oh, Lil right, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I if someone wanted it ungraded, I definitely consider it uh but it's it's a very important piece of history for me so grading it never matters yeah because you can always break it right but if you're gonna keep it grading is fun i also have another card Mm. that i brought okay from the uh very first calling event in australia which i think paul's gonna really appreciate i don't know if you've seen one of these before i'm sure you have or i'm sure you know of them but this is a whoops this is another cool card whoa Okay. How nice is that? Have you seen this this for winning or just the promo for turning showing up? Yeah. So is that the same as we got in the? uh, There you go, John. Underneath. Uh, No. So I think, as far as I understand, these were only given out. Yeah. At the uh, the first calling. What is this? Man, the lighting in here. It's the foil Reinar promo. It's double oh five. Yeah, but that's the the young Reinar. How's that? Oh no. Okay, that's the actual Reinar, not the young Reinar. No, no, it's the young Reinar. No, but how is that different to the young Reinar cold falls that were given out in the? This is rainbow. That's rainbow. Oh, that's rainbow. Ah, okay, that's rainbow. Right. So the rainbow's worth more than the cold. They're harder to get, definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, How many of them would be in existence? 500? Maybe 500 each. 500 each? Yeah. No, no, like $500 each. How many do you think there are? Oh, uh, a couple of hundred. I don't know how many events there were. Yeah, probably a couple hundred. Wow. So, but still, it's the nostalgia of it being. Is it 2019 print? Uh, I believe it is. Or 2020? That's 2019. Yeah, Yeah. so 2019 print foil. Obviously, so is the East Drive. Remember, the game was only out for a few months in 2019. So anything printed in 2019. Uh, it's pretty rare. So before we quickly, because there's a few other things I want to cover. Okay. Before we quickly move off the lectures, you're going to be releasing them weekly, fortnightly, monthly. Um, yeah, so ideally the first one should uh, be up tomorrow. Yep. Uh, I hope the second one will also be up on Friday because okay. I, I want to release two videos at once so people, when they watch the first one, they realize that it's hot shit. They can watch the second one straight yeah. away. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I want to release two a week uh, on Wednesday and Friday every week thereafter until you know, all 10 of them are out. So about five weeks. Okay. Yeah, and then you'll yeah. do follow-up content after that. This yeah, absolutely. A- I want to see what the response to that is initially. Um, it's long form content, which is something that doesn't exist in a lot of card games. Um, or if they do, it's usually about law rather than theory. Yeah. So I want to test the waters and see how long form content goes. Uh, after that, I'll definitely continue doing stuff. I definitely want to help people in a more one-to-one way. I'd love to run coaching sessions that are far more in depth. I, I mean, everyone's seen what happens in coaching sessions, I think. And sometimes they're a bit flaccid. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, you know, add a little bit of gusto to the. <laughs> I'd love some, <laughs> to, to give, I would love some rock hard, rock hard coaching. Let, let coaching you, I'm, I'm going to give two That's examples. Call it rock hard, rock star coaching two, by Philip. Two, two things to say about Philip from my perspective. 
you definitely make your own decks and go play them. Like you, you went and won one or two pro quests. You definitely top forward a couple of them or got uh, to top the, forward six. Yeah, one three purely on his deck, like his list. No one was playing that list. If anything, most people that looked at that list were like, mm, "There's better." Because I think there were many top players, top content creators talking about specific prism lists and winning with them. Yours was vastly different. Yeah, and was working. But it works for you because also you know how to pilot it. But also, like, we just recently, um, we both love Dromai to a point. And we, we were, I was like, Phil, can we make, like, a pummel Dromai centerplay list? And, hey, we spent half an hour talking. I had a list. He tweaked it for me, gave me some cards I never would have thought of in my life to put in. And I 4 0 the next armory with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, but no, I no, like that, he though. definitely like because I'm a problem solver, but yeah. I don't have the the I'm like a person problem solver, right? Yeah, yeah interpersonal yeah. stuff. Um, not like card game math synergies is much more complicated. I'm getting better, uh, but you were like get veiled intentions. I'm like, what is that card? And go look at him. Go wait, that fits exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, like and that was the first card you showed me on Friday. Yeah, I was you like, have you ever seen? Yeah, you showed me that. You're like, Paul, look yeah, at this and fucking you're like, card. Wait, what is it? And I'm like, dude, you know when you're on Rhino, you want to pop my center pie. Look at this. Pop yeah. it. I'll get a free card. I'll get an action point, and then as you hit you again, it's great. And I won like four. Look, Blitz Armory four zero is is not great, but like that's the first time we touched that deck and it was four zero. Like I imagine. Yeah. With tweaks and like if we put if we if we had a blitz calling coming up that deck could be a nightmare for people if it was like tweaked and and i love that and the thing that excites me most about fab is the more sets that get released oh, it's the so more open. it's gonna we're going to be able to become uh there's going to be more opportunity for in magic we call them rogue deck builders yeah you know, it's very hard to have... The, pool, a, the a card pool's limited. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to have a culture of rogue deck building when you've only been out for 18 months, Sure, right? Yeah. Like, it, it is what it is. But when your game's been out for five, six years, like, there is more space for these minds to play in. And more risk for imbalance. And there's an et- eternal card pool as well. Yeah, so yeah. that adds a, another element, which, uh, yeah, absolutely is a huge risk. Um there are cards. They have to be, I think Fab have to be very strict on their yeah, design yeah. Look, policy. Jeez, even the shit you've been sending me about Bolton. Yeah. Some <laughs> of the stuff Phil sends me about Bolton, I'm just like, what the frick is that card doing in there? Like, you know, and you know how constrained we are with Bolton being yeah, yeah. light warrior. Like, it's absolutely a nightmare. Yeah, I bet you there's it. light cards that you don't know exist. Yeah, like <laughs> when for, I was putting yeah. the master sets away, I was like, Wait, there's a lot. What, so what is like you were like, yeah. but you were like, I was like Raiden Bolton, and you're like Twinning Blade, yeah, you know, oh, like things like that. Like, yes. it's just so, so there's a funny story about that because that's actually when Monarch came out. Um, I was testing the chain deck with Hayden, um, the seeds chain list, and I again, I didn't want to play chain because I don't like the artwork. I also just don't like Runeblade mechanics, lol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no attack, attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I really wanted to play um, Raid, uh, Bolton, right? And I understood the Saber's Courage thing, and I just went, I'm going to play Raiden then. And that's where the first iteration of that deck came from. As far as I know, no one was playing, like it had even touched Bolton uh, to that extent. And I had a really good run. I bubbled out um, of Top Cut. I was really close to just taking it all home with uh, with Raid and Bolton. And I was playing the weird stuff. I was playing... This is back when Plunder Run was legal. Uh, I was playing, like, 
nine plunderons before it was cool. <laughs> Um, uh, I was playing the three twinning blades, right? Well, the, just the so we're talking stuff. like uh, raid and Bolton with warrior cards in when I first yeah, met you. Release, when I first yeah. met you, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, yeah. you know, playing braces of belief mm. as my only arm piece because you, you know all I wanted to do was flip a red off the top of my deck and hit my opponent for plus two. Um, that was a great time. I I, I really loved that back then. And I think. Coverage really exploded after Monarch. Yeah. So mm. those of us who were like, no one knows about my crew Dory, right? Yeah. No one's seen that because the coverage didn't exist back then. No one was playing competitive events back then. Um, and if they were, it was like webcam and stuff. Not right. Yeah. So there was innovation happening back then from a lot of people uh, in the community. Um, Unified decree Dory. What's that? Unified decree Dory. Uh, Hayden was working on that yeah, for a while, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to this day, if I talk to Hayden about <laughs> Dory, he's like, put unified decree. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's close. It's real close. It works if you pitch an eye. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there's yeah there's so much space in the game. It's really exciting. I'm very much looking forward to them, uh, them LSS. I want them to push the boundaries a little bit more. I worry that they felt burned by the community yeah. during Everfest. Um, which some of that Why I think Everfest? Just, what? Uh, okay. um, some of that was justifiable for sure. Um, I think there's still incredible potential in the game. I think there are cards that are totally unexplored yeah. um, that have been unexplored for the entire game, um, which there, there's will, a whole, will um, be scary. Hero build types. What's what's what would you call it? Like an archetype? Yes, archetype. It just yeah. isn't built like that. No one, like yeah. you said, like Raiden Bolton's never shown up anywhere in any like competitive. Like you'd recognize, go, oh yeah, like that calling top four Raiden Bolton. It just doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. but it, but it's it's not far from viable. Yeah, it, it so sucks that Raiden's core. Me- oh, sorry, that um, Bolton's core mechanic is inherently bad. Yeah, yeah, but the it, it's so close. Mm. So, so most things in Fab, including like Azalea, it's close. It's not like Azalea is super close. Yeah, you yeah, would like, not believe. Like how even close even Data Doll, which is considered uh, Azalea and Data Doll, considered like by far the worst heroes yeah. in the game. She's not far. Like when she high rolls you, you just you lose. Dude, def- Azalea or Data Doll? Dada, well, Azalea too. Like w- when they get lucky, you see what they can do. What they don't have is consistency. Both of them don't have consistency. Yeah, like Data Doll can't block. She has three cards, you know, she's got a pitch, but man, when she goes off and she's got like in one turn four items on the thing, you're like, do I just die next turn? And then you swing at them and they got like eight ward basically from yeah. dissipation. It's crazy. My second ever armory. I went to Decked Out Gaming up there at Brookvale oh, and yeah. I paired into this guy. He was playing Azalea mm. and I was playing the pre-con Blitz Bolton raid. Uh, no, yeah. I didn't even have raid and I was playing hatchets. Yeah, hatchets, yeah. And I got trounced. Mm. And I literally thought Azalea was the truth at Azalea the time. The being a noob, I was like, off. I was yeah. like, this deck's broken. How good is this deck? And then, like a week later, everyone's telling me, "No, Azalea's trash." I'm like, "What? I've got PTSD. <laughs> How bad this guy?" Did you get hit with Azalea? Red in the Ledger? Oh yeah, this yeah, yeah. guy was like, absolutely. That's probably is Red in the Ledger one of the strongest cards in the game. I, I think Red in the Ledger is the best card in the yeah, game. It's like but it's just in, in a vacuum. Red in the Ledger is one of the yeah, best cards in yeah. the game for sure. I, I think I would put it as it's up there with like. Arclight Sentinel, Sonata. And Glint the Quicksilver. Glint's pretty damn good. Yes. Yeah. Mathematically, like the people Glint's that have so put the game yeah, in a yeah. spreadsheet, 
Yeah. And they've gone the value of cards. There's a blue, pitches for three, gives a go again, replaces Draws itself. Yeah. It's got the four ideal. Oh, and Kelsey Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Are they as good as Romping Club, though? Yes. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, what's the best weapon? Like, the best weapon in the game is not Romping Club. Luminaris yeah. or Resethorn. Yeah. Luminaris and Rosetta. Uh, yeah. Rosetta for sure. Is, yeah. yeah, but Luminar, I mean, well, what would we call the Dromai weapon then? Um, it's a poor excuse for Luminaris. But it's a common. Yeah. Imagine sick. when they make an, a yeah. weapon with, with a majestic weapon for allies. It just might be busted. I honestly think um, Azalea is one equipment and two cards away from yeah. being like potentially the best deck in the game. It's ridiculous how good its like core gameplay loop is when it, well because I've built the deck yep. about as well as I think I can. I don't want to put too much time into it, right? Like I love deck building, but and this is something that I had to learn over time. Sometimes you just have to step away. Yeah, right? I've already built the Prism deck. I've already built the Olden deck. I've built the Viserai deck. I'm picking one of those three to play at Pro Tour. Spoilers: It's not Viserai. Um, <laughs> are, you to, are you going to? Are yeah, you I'm going, going to? going to Lil. I'm going to Lil. Oh, yeah. you're going to Lil. He's booked. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you're called for Lil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won uh, one ProQuest Grimdark. Um, oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, Mitch. Um, and I... No, that was honestly like... So what are you going to play? Oh, I'm... Pl- okay, I... I. This is not prism. me just He'll like be on trying prism. to... No, 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 no. This is not me trying to hide it, but it's either Prism or Ultim. Um, I think unequivocally, those two are the best decks in the game right now. Um, I think there is a Rogue... Uh, out there um, that beats potentially those decks. I don't know what it is. Maybe someone else does. You wouldn't try the Dromai Spice? Dromai is cool, but I think like John has seen what I've done with Prism and it's like, like very like, scary. Dromai is fun for sure. Super for fun. For me, more yeah. fun than Prism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also dragons. Like you're summoning these big dragons. You're like, hey, it's let me look cool, at your man. hand. Yeah. Hey, your armor melts. But I don't... I, I, the thing is Prism... There's thousands and thousands and thousands of reps on Prism, yeah, and and you know what works and doesn't. See, we're talking quantitative. Like it, you, people know what's good on Prism. They know how debilitating yes. Arclight Sentinel is, Luminaris. They know, and the permanence. You can build this board state that becomes impossible to lose with. No one's gotten there with Dromai. So, is your Prism deck changed much in the last month or two? Um, yeah, I think uh, Uprising introduced some cards that are oh yeah absurd um to rattle off a couple which i think people know about uh i'll say oasis respite is ridiculous um i think yellow but you no no no, red red, you play red red? yeah yeah yeah. um he's playing a a defensive prism yeah yeah Uh, i think fiendel's fighting spirit is an incredible uh, yellow card it's a great yellow um my biggest issue with prism previously was that in the mirror match you had this incentive to play Red Heralds and then you would just get high rolled by your opponent top decking their objectively terrible Herald poppers because they'd be playing like It'd Raging Onslaught or something. With no text in the box. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> this is a horrible card. You're only winning because you top decked it. And that was a real feel bad moment for me um, when it's happened to me in, uh, way too many times. Um, now you can actually play a card like Fendel Fighting Spirit, which is not just good into Prism. It's also really good into Ninja. Yeah. Uh, it's also... And it's... it's and not, Runeblade. It's great into Ninja, great it's, into Runeblade. You can throw it at a Rosetta Thorn. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's that. There's that all you got. There's Fog Down. Oh. Um, See, people don't 
Fogdown selling for like 10 cents, people are stupid. Right. Fogdown, Fogdown is, is so good. Fogdown kills Runeblade, kills Warrior. What else does it kill? Uh, Runeblade, Warrior, um, it's pretty reasonable into uh, like random rogues. Actually, it really, it really does hurt Fi. Uh, brute. Brute. Yeah, it's definitely good into brute. Blocks your lock, uh, locks your barrage. barrage. You can't locks barrage your blood rush bellows. Yeah, uh, like yeah, Leviya, same thing as well. I don't think brute will just roll scabbies if they see it right. If they high roll you, they high roll you. That's the issue. Yeah, I mean, if they do, then it's like okay. So you but have they're to risking one more time, giving right? you a turn. Yeah, yeah, they're risking yeah, yeah. chewing up their gamblers' gloves for a fog down turn. Exactly, that, that would feel bad. Um, so yeah, it's good into that matchup as well. Uh, very good against Dromo. It's very good. Against really Dromo. good into Lexi. Yeah, um, for sure. They pretty much always want to start. It's, it's actually like it's, it's just in, it's impossible so, to so play good. against. Yeah. Uh, play around a fog down. Yeah. Thing is, it costs three, right? That's pretty fine. Yeah, on in, your prism um, deck, it's fine. Yeah, I think in most prism decks, correct. You it's can't. You can't. If you're gonna do like put a three cost in on on most decks, you're going like unmovable. Sure, but fog downs like in a deck where you're already going to be running defense, a lot of defensive reactions and yeah. stuff. It's it's not that punishing to have a three. Yeah, cost. it's not a big deal because you're playing like prisons playing heavy. a three cost, potentially still swinging with auras or whatever. Yeah, does fog down have go again? No, but you just play it at the end of your turn. Yeah, sure, so yeah. it's it's the turn finisher. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a bit more about this pro tool before we go okay. back in time to the your first pro tour, okay. or maybe. Um, New Jersey. So, uh, draft format. Yeah. How are you hoping to approach that for this pro tour? So, I really like draft as a concept. Um, I really hate playing draft, full stop. <laughs> um, and the reason I hate playing draft, and this is going to come across a little bit harsh, is that most people don't know how to play draft. Uh, and I'm not just talking about, oh, you accidentally passed an additional card and now it screws up the entire draft. I think... Guilty. Huh? That never, yeah, that yeah, never yeah. tilts me though. Yeah, yeah that, that I'm yeah. just like, okay, you know, you, you screwed up. What was my first question? Do you despise dumb people? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he no, does. No, he's about to get into it. <laughs> we, we talked about this because we went to Jolt in Canberra. Yeah. That was a bit tilting. So I, my biggest issue with some draft formats, and not all draft formats, right, is that if you are sitting at a table where some people understand what the good cards are, what you should take or quote unquote, you're supposed to take. Um, and some people don't, it can end up where you try to play the draft in a certain way. And I don't mean taking cards. I mean, playing the man, not the board, right? Cause drafting is, uh, uh, is two tiered. There's first of all, taking cards that you want to put in your deck. And there's also trying to, force the people around you to take certain other cards or force them to not take certain cards, right? And when people don't necessarily understand both of those layers of the draft format, it can make it that sometimes you get punished for doing the right thing. And That's how I felt at Jolt. That can that can feel really, really bad. So a really good example of this is... Sorry, Paul. Yeah, go. <laughs> no, continue. Okay. Continue. So continue. a great example of this... And I'm, uh, let me make this very clear. I'm not talking just about people like Paul, who force a hero every single time they play. Oh, we'll get into right? that. I'm yeah, because some LSS employee told him to. That was yeah, it. fine. I mean, I, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not talking about that exclusively. Fucking I, I mean, I was at a draft pod, uh, the second tier draft pod at um, at the most recent, uh, oh, Road to National, sorry, where, uh, and this was not the low bracket draft pod. This is the high, high bracket draft pod. Um where there were two sets of people directly next to each other that were on pairs of heroes. So there was Icelander, Icelander, and then Dromai, Dromai yeah. next to each other. Mm -hmm. 
that is so it's like okay if yeah, you, excuse the draft if people yeah. are randomly taking cards that should not happen right so then when you're at, like if you just blind picked every card face down for the entire draft mathematically it's very unlikely for that to happen but isn't the chaos and the chaoticness of that is what makes drafts special. Yeah, that's what's so fun if I'm sitting around with my mates at home and we're just like having a great time, right? Mm. I love that. That And then I can, you know, turn to my mate on this side and say, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you. But, you kept taking all my Dromai but, cards, you absolute monkey. It, I'll never subscribe to your channel if, again. But if you were playing a draft heads up, seeing the cards and it wouldn't be a draft but then anywhere everyone would draft but it is the up. hero i'm not, I'm not no, saying but everyone needs to see but the everyone cards. would then draft the hero they're supposed to be drafting therefore it wouldn't be draft it's just like i hear that in poker i've played poker with like these so-called expert poker players and they lose and they're very good poker players and their excuse is oh because no one here knows how to play properly that's true though yeah i know i'm not saying it's not true but What's my point? My point is like... Can, can I tell you yeah, what, yeah, what my it. point is? And go for it. Okay. Yeah, okay. What the poker player is trying to explain to you is is in in a, in a hundred matches, yes, they will win way more than the person that won at that table. Of the reason course. that person won at the table was literally didn't know how to play the game. Draft right now feels like that. Where you're doing the right thing, you're even accepting a signal from your left at, and you're going, you know what? You passed me five blue wizard cards. I, I'll go wizard. I'll take, like, I don't want to, but it's open. Mm. And then what actually happened is the person took the complete wrong pick one in in theory. Again, I think, and, and sorry if people get insulted by this, I think what I'm seeing right now in the draft season, who's winning and top fouring and top eighting, are nowhere near the best sealed limited players that we have. But we don't know that yet. Of course we know that. No, we haven't because been playing there's been draft 10 other... No, there's been how many sets that these people have all done well. Then you get a draft that's a bit more generic and open and people are forcing or misreading signals completely and you just get like... Look... I think this is the most pro prolific set that people are drafting since I've been in Absolutely. the hobby. Yeah. Like, I've been here since Monarch. I'm going to tell you right now, more people are drafting Uprising than any other set. Well, we kind of have since. to as well. Yeah, but, like, yeah. that's great. Like, so that's probably why you're seeing that. Um, you know, speaking from experience, like, you know, I was a decent Magic draft, okay? It was my favorite way to play the game, mm. okay? I, I love drafting. I draft it all the time. Um, the way that I approach it is, especially early in a format, I'd always force an archetype, okay? Not for that long, though. It was different with Magic. You had a lot more archetypes. You weren't limited to three heroes. You could be limited to eight or nine archetypes. Usually, generally, the way people ranked how entertaining a, a, a draft was for Magic was how many archetypes you could draft. So the more depth you had, people would view it as a better draft experience. So I would generally get intrigued by different archetypes, and I'd force the shit out of them. For yep. usually only about maybe four or five drafts. It was the way that I learned how to draft that deck is I'd force the shit out of it. Yeah, That was harder to do in Magic, okay? Now, this is the first draft set I've taken serious in Fab, by far. And just by chance, the first hero I, dra I drafted was Fire. Not because I forced it, it was just the first hero that I drafted. And yes, I was with an LSS employee and that LSS employee me explain to me how I should be drafting that deck. Yep. So I continued to force that deck probably for a little bit longer than I should have. Um, but I really wanted to learn it inside out and I'm still quite uncomfortable with flesh and blood. So that was my strategy and it worked, you know, it worked pretty well for me. Um, 
now I'm going to be, I haven't drafted since the weekend, but moving forward, my next uprising draft, I will force another hero. Okay, I won't force it as long as fire. Like I won't force 10 drafts for my next hero, but I can guarantee I'll, I'll force four or five because that's how I learn how to play the game. And I think there is merit in that approach, um, especially with Fab, because it's not like there's seven or eight different archetypes. There's three heroes. And don't get me wrong, you don't want to be downstream from the person next year. That's fine. But there's definitely archetypes in this set. There is. There is. Can I ask you a question, <laughs> There definitely Paul? is, yes. What's your favorite MTG draft set? Uh, okay, I would say my favorite would be... Um, the arm and kept block. No, that was very good. No, no, it was very good. It was a very good block. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> it was, hey, 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 it was a very good block. Ask a lot of people. A lot of people rate that higher than Innistrad. Bro, Khan's attack here was fucking S tier. Come on, man. S tier set, bro. Come on, I'm not saying it's the only. The arm and kept block, damn, man. This guy truly. Truly is uh, the tallest look, of Khan's was fine, <laughs> but it wasn't better than Armand Keplock. Really? Why don't they just call you Tall Paul? Our conversation, like it was sick, man. <laughs> he doesn't call himself Tall Paul. <laughs> All right, let's get into <laughs> let's get into Watsy. So, Phil, okay. you had oh, some God, time are we with talking Watsy. About Watsy? Jesus. Okay, talk to okay. me. So, you had some time. What was it? Were I, I wanna... have to say, I can't say too much okay. about this. Were right? you were you on like a work experience, or did what did I, you do with I, that? I um, voluntarily uh, signed. Uh, well, I, I actually requested um, an NDA um, for very, you know, complicated legal reasons that I don't particularly want to get into, but essentially which you know, absolved me of liability because I could not possibly have been involved with certain things that I knew were going on with the company before I signed on with them. This is very, like, th- this is, like, deep. So you did work for Watsi? Uh, I did some stuff with them, Okay. right? So basically I had a very brief um, stint uh, assisting um, Watsi with some elements of card design um, and some elements of the process of card design, which involved advising particular people um, in the company. That's really all I can... I hate to... Okay. Hey, like, hey, I, I like it. I, lo- I love this. <laughs> I hate mystery. to go any further. Hey, like, let, let, let the audience use their I, imagination. I, I got a, I got a, I've got a legal background, right? So mm. there were... Uh, everyone knows that Watsi has been through various paradigms and various yeah. phases um, in time. Some more, you know, positively received, others less positively received, right? I never wanted to be directly associated with the, com- uh, with the company. I'm not on the company records. I was never an employee of Watsi. Um, at the time when I was You're involved a consultant. Them, sure, we can use that term, yeah. Um, at the time that I was involved with them, I... Uh, had a small hand um, with, you know, a couple of elements of the design process, uh, which I'm very proud of. Um, uh, And there was a point which was not too far after that in which there was a mass exodus um, of a certain number of employees, which is very public knowledge. Everyone knows about this. That was the time period where um, I was around. Uh, It was an interesting time. I learned a lot of things. Were you based in the States then? No. Okay. No, I wasn't. Um, I... Yeah, I learned some some good things from the people that I was talking to, and the opportunity that I had there, and uh, I don't want to you know talk too badly um, about that. Do you want to talk shit about Watsi though? 
Oh no, 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 no! I don't. I just <laughs> okay. want to know. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, like we're talking, like you know, you're, you're passionate about games. You understand the fundamentals, and you yeah, a, said a, that a you lot of that has come from my own work. I, mm. I and I, you know, without putting too fine a point on it, I'd like to stress that more than anything is that a lot of the things that I have learned about card design fundamentals, card game theory you know, like why I can look at a card and say this is a fundamentally good card and this is not is because of things that I have figured out and written. I have notebooks stacked with chicken scratchings of just me going absolutely insane. I used to, if you guys have ever seen that, like those things of old movies where the the policeman has yep. like stuff all over the, the string, wall and yeah. string. Yeah, so I used to do that. Um, when I was figuring out stuff for Dragon Ball and uh, and Y Schwartz um, and Keyforge as well, when I had the entire um, card list of Keyforge in my study on Post-it notes, and I had bits of string um, that I'd used uh, that I connected everything up with um, in order to figure out what the ideal decks were to to then go and buy those decks from people. So a lot of the stuff that I've learned is very much things that I've had to learn with no one teaching me. There was no resource available where you could learn about... A great example is, and I'm talking about this in my first episode, base rates, right? Actually, no, this is episode two. Um, I'm talking about base rates on cards. Base rates is... It's basically like, how much is a card worth? Like, why does snatch cost zero? Basically, that sort of question. Um, how you actually figure that out retroactively without ever having been behind the curtain. I wasn't behind the curtain as a card designer when I was 10 years old. Yeah, I had to figure it out for myself. So a lot of what I'm, what I want to put out there, this is my own knowledge, my own theories about things. I don't, I can't reference them because no one else has said some of this stuff before. Some of this stuff, yeah, absolutely. I'll give references. If I can say, go check out, you know, X textbook by, you know, John Citizen, then I absolutely will. Um, Just well, let's, let's put you to the test. Okay. Okay. So, Funder, Flesh and Blood Down Under. We yeah. have quite an interesting logo. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is our logo, Phil? So, it's like a yellow and purple. Yeah. Um, it depicts yeah, like two, the two, two gods. gods of yeah. Fab. The purple being E Strike. Yeah. And the yellow being the far superior sea strike, and there's this whole meme. Paul, it's not even called sea strike; it's celestial cataclysm. That's right. Have the word strike. Okay, all right. Settle settle down. It's called called sea strike. Settle settle down. So we we, you know, we affectionately one day we're driving up to Blood Rush, our usual armory shenanigans on a Friday. Okay. And I'm just like, sort of like, we had this shit talk back and forth. And anyway, we ended up talking about Sea Strike and how great of a card it was. Okay. And that, in effect, it's better than E Strike. And I talked so much shit about E Strike that night. And then Fluke rocks up and opens up some Alpha and he's cracking foil E Strikes like they're coming out of his ass, right? Wow. Just so, one. Yeah. Okay. And some other <laughs> E Strike. You cracked there like two. A, we, two. We hit two E Strikes. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. My whole point is I've always come from the um, the camp that C-Strike is surely better than E-Strike. And you can see C-Strike's dominating E-Strike in that graphic. That's the graphic of Thunder. From a card design perspective, Phil, which tell better? us, which one is better? C-Strike or E-Strike? Let us know. From a card design Yeah, tell us from your... And then give us your passion talk. Give us everything. Okay. Break them down. And you're a prison player, please. Yeah, so... <laughs> Show me some love for I think this is a... Let, we'll have a little teaser into the first episode because the answer to this, I think, actually links in really nicely. It's a difference of card profile versus card text. 
So the reason that Celestial Cataclysm is a good card is because it is a yellow light card that has a seven in the bottom left and yep. a three in the bottom right. The reason that E-Strike is a good card is because the text on it is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So Modes. Mo yeah, it's a modal card, right? Trimodal. So from a card design perspective, I would say that E-Strike is a fundamentally more complex, more interesting, and a better designed card. And the reason for that is because you are playing it because of the text on the card. Right. But it's card disadvantage. It's not though, right? <laughs> I don't know, I'm a Timmy. It's card disadvantage. <laughs> card disadvantage doesn't really matter that much in Fab. Um, but uh, should ask a Bolton player that. Sure it does. Yeah, well, that's because your whole deck's mechanic is card disadvantage and just yeah. generally being the bottom three deck in the game. I love Bolton, but it kind of sucks. Uh, top uh, day two conversion rate for the Pro Tour continue. Did it actually? Yeah, seventy five percent. So yeah. continue. Um, <laughs> How many of those? Yeah, I was assume this three sample I think there was four. about seven or yeah. ten or something. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like with with Celestial Cataclysm, I play three copies of the card in Prism. I don't care what the text on that card says. I'm just playing it because it's a yellow light card that zero for seven go again, is, baby. I don't care about the zero for seven go again. I don't even give a in damn. In Prism, you don't. Yeah, know. exactly. Right. I, I think I think when there's five more light heroes, that card might be cracked. So, like, if you want to ask from a design perspective, which one do I think is better designed? I definitely think it's Enlightened Strike. Okay, which one's more powerful? Which one is more powerful right yes, now? I yes. think Celestial Cataclysm yes. is more powerful yes. card, and but it's but, more powerful for the wrong reason, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the the reason it's more powerful has everything to do with the outside of the card, like the four walls rather than the home. And um, like having to three cards and soul and stuff. Is yeah, I don't mean? care about any of that. The, 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 the text on Celestial Cataclysm could say like, in order to play this card, like, you know, you must, I don't know. It could be some meta zoo thing where like, you can only play it if your opponent doesn't have pants. You can't or be wearing pants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> the text on the card could be, By the way. Know, Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we all stand up. Um, <laughs> well, we were actually meant to do that, but we forgot. <laughs> it's all budgie smugglers. Uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Celestial Cataclysm is a more powerful card, but I think E-Strike is better designed. Okay, great. That's, that's my answer. So I hope I can but make this There's one you fundamental problem with this whole argument. It says light on Celestial Cataclysm and E-Strike doesn't. Yeah. You can actually play E-Strike in whatever deck you want and which, because it has three modes, can work in nearly any deck you want it to. Wizards can play E-Strike. can work well, though. No. Not really. That's yeah. not the deck to put it in to yeah, work yeah, well, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Warriors play it. A lot of Dories play it, which yeah. makes no sense There's to no me. Dories play it? Yeah, Dories play it. doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's... It's fine, I guess. I think no, but it takes cards out that are not going towards getting a count. I think building a deck that does one thing well is usually more important than efficiency. Yeah, it can, definitely can be. It depends like on the Like Bolton's a good example. Yeah. If Bolton goes off your debt. Like triple lumina combo, if you don't have a counter, you're dead. Like it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I beat triple lumina yeah. just the other night. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> on, on, a, on a fatigue deck, sure. But most decks in the game that don't run... As yep. many defensive cards as you do won't won't get past. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about before we wrap it up. Let's talk about Pro Tour One. Okay. We we all were blessed yep. that we got to go to New Jersey. It was a great together. time. I had a fantastic and gee, time. Some of my <laughs> my probably my favorite memory of wedding the trip cake. 
was our uh, was our uh, or a couple of our Uber trips together. So talk to us first. Yeah, Phil, Paul about playing the game. Remember in the yeah, backseat yeah, yeah. of the Uber. So, so talk to us about first, Phil. Uh, you prep for the pro tour. What deck you took? Um, what transpired uh, competitively, and then let's talk about some fun stuff. Yeah. So I um, I did most of my prep with Fu and Roy, um, both exceptional players. Roy, one of the greatest minds in the game, um, and one of the most stone cold killers at Definitely. the table by far. Yep. Um, even. I sometimes struggle to get a read on what's in his hand, and that's probably the only good skill that I have when it comes to being an actual. And player. he's just a great guy. He's, uh, he have to be one of the nicest Genevieve. guys out there. Yeah, leaves uh, leaves the rest of us looking a little bit, you know, povertous compared to him. But um, <laughs> he's really just such a great person. Fu is, you know, I'm very happy to call him a, a very good friend of mine. Um, he's a really great guy. His heart is like absolutely made of gold. Uh, and he just says the funniest shit. Um, True. We we tested a lot of stuff. I didn't want to play Starvo, which this is like I said. In before. hindsight, you would have done better. If you played <laughs> yeah, Starvo. look, I um, no. In hindsight, I should have played Prism. Okay. Right? Prism is a deck that I've. Uh, yeah, frankly, I don't think there's anyone in the world, and I'm I I have no way of verifying this claim but I intrinsically know it to be true. I don't think there's anyone in the world who's played more games of Prism than I have. Yeah, that's the Phil we wanted yeah. on here. Um, <laughs> yes. Even Fino Black himself. Let him yeah, go. No. no, Fino. <laughs> Phil will kick your ass. That's right. That's I'll why tag we, Fino. That's I, I don't know if, I've, if I'm better than Fino. Um, I've never played the guy, uh, but I do we'll not honestly think that... Yeah, I don't think anyone's played more Prism than I have. Um, I've literally played it since day one Monarch. Um, so it's it's always been in my toolkit. I decided to go for we did, we built a Lexi deck, which was spicy, so cool. It was so so cool, and we were really well positioned um, going in to Pro Tour. Um, the deck was it not exactly the way that Yuki has built Lexi in the past. Um, we I mean I was we were playing like nine winners bites stuff like that. Um, it was real degenerate, okay? It was a full, like, taxes deck. And that's what we wanted to go for in the format. The logic being, you know, Salvo can't eat crayons if you take the crayons out of their hand. Um, and it worked really well in testing. Um, it worked really well in practice. And then I got to the Pro Tour and I paired in three Ultims. Um, and Did I, you expect Oldham to be that prolific at the It wasn't tour? prolific. Oh, it wasn't was one like of the it. least played decks in the room. Oh, well. Okay. I just have the incredible, you know, capacity to magnetize my worst matchup into me. Um, look, I loved the Lexi deck. I had... I beat people who went on to do very, very well. In fact, all of my... you Is it you that beat Pablo? No. I, uh, it was so, I don't remember the guy's name. There was another guy. I, I, it might have... No, I don't think it was him. It was, there was a chain that I played in round one who ended up doing really, really well. I think he made top something. I, I'd have to go back and check. Um, but yes, it could have been Pablo. I mean, it's easier to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to say that it was because I genuinely don't remember. Um, I had a great time playing the deck. And then I, yeah, I lost one round to, to Quan and then I just pet into a bunch of Altons. Um, and I basically just got, you know, I, I qualified for day two. Technically my record got me there and I just went, I don't really want to play into this, this meta. Um, I beat Starvos, right? I was, 
exposed to the elements in them on, on turn one, breaking their crown, and then you know proceeding to lock them for the entire game while they sat there and cried. I played into Chains, who I locked for the entire game, watched them die to their own blood debt as they continued flipping cards off the top that they couldn't play because they were under six Frostbites and I was behind seven proxies. It was like generally a great time to play the deck, but I just got paired into my worst matchup way too many times. So I should have a hard deck to part. Absolutely. It was was way harder than definitely harder than Starver. It's not a, yeah, but it was way harder to play than any other Prism. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely harder to play than Prism. Okay. Um, And then I decided I'd just play the calling Uh, instead. I played Prism. Then I got paired into Reinhardt twice because I can't catch a break at some of these events, man. <laughs> so I yeah, I got paired into Reinhardt twice and a an aggro Katsu that who just exploded, you know, dead did 20 damage to me on turn one through blocks. Um I just, you know, was kind of sitting there getting roasted. So it wasn't the it wasn't the event for me. Um my premier memories of that trip definitely were, you know, spending time with some of the content creators like Paul, like John, uh, people from America, people from around the world. You, we, you and I hung out with Rudy for a bit that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rudy and Saint and, and, and that sort of crowd. Um, uh, Fabled Academy, uh, I met them. They were wonderful, wonderful Chris people. Chris Yes. Yeah. Yep, met Chris. Uh, obviously, we had that uh, wonderful dinner um, in, in the, the hood of Union City. Um, which was best Jersey, Uber ride. Jersey, oh, Jersey City. Sorry, yeah, not Jersey. Union. You were in Union City. I was yeah. in Jersey City. Yes, best best um, Uber life. Uh, Uber yeah, that was probably the best life. Uber drive of my entire life. Um, and of course, after that, I went over to California and um, you know spent some time with my my girlfriend over there. Went up to the Napa Valley, and that was obviously a, a big highlight. Um, just finally getting to. It's hard, you know, living long distance, right? So getting to head over there and just catch up was was fantastic and drink a. Shit ton of really good wine. There we I, go. I love my vino. So, so you're going to go to Lille? Yes. Are you going to go to Worlds in November in San Jose? How do you qualify? I don't know, but I'm assuming there'll be a call-in attached. Right. So I would just you, have to win in Lille and then I can play If you in didn't qual for Worlds, would I, I, you go I, for the calling? I've been thinking about it. it has to be off Nationals. That's what's coming up. They, they might just go. They haven't released any details. Sure, sure. But I imagine it's like X top of nationals plus PTIs. Are we going to get yeah. a pro quest for Worlds season? No, there's, I no, don't know, there's no time. I, I'm, I don't have there's the skirmish the and then there's eye, nationals right? and then there's Worlds, right? That's what's happening. What's coming up? I have no clue. But um, then what's the, what's the, what is going world to Worlds sounds be? like nationals goes to Worlds, right? That's what no, the timeline No, but you can use was. PTIs to you get into Worlds. Yeah, PTIs yes, yeah. are PTIs. So what's I'm the saying pl- for everyone else, it seem, it would make most sense that it's like nationals. But my, my point is for Worlds, do you want it to be a 250-player tournament or a 700-player tournament? Yeah, if you want it to be more people, then there has to be another way to qualify. Than oh, so just maybe it's invite only. Maybe yeah. they, they just go. I mean, I'd like it to be invite only. Yeah, maybe they just go, these are the top players. That's what I'm saying, though. I think they're going to look at nationals, look at XP boards, go... These pe- and Elo and ev- whatever, whatever they come yeah. up with and go, these are the people we want because they've been updating Elo. So maybe between now and Worlds, as they look at Elo, they're surely going to attach a calling. Do you think? I, oh, I, I guess so. But to be honest, if I don't do well at Lil, um, I probably won't go to Worlds. Um, I'd rather focus on because my passion is not actually playing anymore. That was my passion 10 years ago. Um, my passion now is much more in. I want to make other people better. Me. Yeah, me. absolutely. Everyone, me. 
Stop um, forcing, fire. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Drove my. That's my next. <laughs> no, hot tip. stop you can forcing. Say, well, I'm not going to yeah. play Icelander. <laughs> I mean, you can. You can play. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to force five, five or six times, learn how to play it, and then I'll either be. I literally be fo- sat next to him in the last draft, and, and I told him, him I'm going to yeah. force fire so that you don't. And he still did. Of course, yeah. yeah. And I still went two one. Yeah. What a gamer. That's the point. That's not so because you know what? Three of your other mates force by as well. Look, I I really would rather transition away from yep. being a player. What makes me happier than anything? Even in sports, when I played sports in high school, uh, I did taekwondo at a very high level. Mm. But I was more uh, enthused when I actually injured myself and I couldn't compete at one point, and I had to coach the team. And, you know, ended up winning like state level championships, things like that. And I was much more fulfilled by seeing the development of the the other players in my team and helping them get to really attain their best. That meant a lot more to me Um, because I've already I went to Worlds when I was nine, ten years old. Right. I got there. I, I've I've done the thing. I haven't won a world champ. Oh, sorry. Well, not I've I, I have won a, a world championship, but just not in uh, in what? Uh, another another card game, which uh, I uh, had a brief contract with them, and I would rather like not talk about it too oh, much. Shit. This but, is like, the stuff we do want to yeah, talk about. Uh, basically, it's a game called it. Um, actually, no. So so Weiss. Technically, I don't know if people would consider this equivalent, but there was like a Japanese only event that I that I won. Um, but yeah, there's another game called Shadowverse where I won like the first ever like international major in the draft format, which was, it's a digital card game. It's kind of gone a bit weird now. Um, yeah, I've, I've been involved actually like a lot of digital card games where I've been involved with like high level world championship stuff. Um, but like I've done that and I can keep trying to do it. It's a lot of effort. I like, I have so much credit to those people who can continually be top players they are fantastic. The amount of effort you have to put in to be that good consistently is just ridiculous. It's a full-time job, basically, in terms of the amount of work that you're putting in. I personally just want to take a step back, manage players, help players get to the you know the peak that they can get to, whether it's the best players in the game right now and turning them into legends or just taking anyone at a locals who just wants to go from being 0-2 to being 2-0 and maybe stop playing Briar. Um, and learn a better deck. You know, that's what I actually genuinely want to do more. So, yes, if I do well at PT Lil, if I get the P- or if I win or uh, get nationals. a PTI from Nationals, get a PTI from Nationals or Top 8 or whatever it is, yeah, I'll go to Worlds. If not, you guys have fun. Um, but I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay back here and... Uh, or, or maybe, you know what, if, if I end up coaching someone who's going to Worlds, then I would go with them. Oh, yeah. Um, or if I had a team that I was managing or if someone wanted a team manager that needed to, you know, teach them how to eat properly and, you know, go to the gym, which are all important things you need to do if you want to be a pro gamer. Um, it's not just waking up and playing League of Legends for 12 hours every day. Nope. Um, well, those teams have like psychologists Yes, they have nutritionists and psychologists yeah, yeah, yeah. and accountants. You know, that's how they travel. Mm. And you know that the game... Not saying Fab should do this. They're much smaller than these companies, but most of those companies, sh- like Counter Strike, they ship you and your team quarter of a million dollars worth of tickets, accommodation, everything. Yeah, because they know how much that grows the game. What E-sports grows the game is, is massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but enormous. but Fab, like I know Fab can hit that sort of level without a digital client, but but it can get to the level where you're definitely getting invited and flown to Worlds. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like 
uh, physical card games can never reach that point because of cost of production and, yeah. and management of that like supply cycle. But digital definitely can. Yeah, I think my place is definitely, you know, at, at the home front rather than uh, you know out in the battlefield. Um, but I would still love to nurture my soldiers. Nice. Let's put it poetically. Well, that is a beautiful <laughs> fluke. Anything from you, mate, before we end this? That yeah, was he's going to be coaching us. So that's, yeah, I that's think all so. I've got him from this whole fucking I podcast. I think so. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you're going to turn to B-grade YouTubers. If I don't top eight okay. nationals, Phil, it's your fault. Are you going to play Prism? Should I? Well, if you want to top eight nationals, you should probably play Prism. Okay. No, no, he's going to force fire and not <laughs> oh, lose well, a single game. No, no, but draft. that's draft. What's, what's the, the draft? format? I've what's got the draft. It's, dr- it's split. Half, half. Oh, it'll it's the be, split again. Yeah, it'll be draft. You know what? Okay, here we go. Let me, let me just delay this, okay. this podcast all right, all right, slightly. Right, okay. let, let us go. Let, <laughs> this is what I love. I really am not a fan of split format. Oh, neither. God. Okay. Really? I'm happy and for I, them the, to have them uh, parallel. Why? Yes. Tell me why. Yeah, there's a nationals. You can qualify by drafting. But you're a draft player. You're a draft player. Explain yourself. Okay. This is, it's, it's a very simple reason why. Um, the format that I think is the best in terms of innovation and being able to watch the game is where you can actually play... Constructed. It's pure constructed, but asterisks, where on day two or day three or whatever it is, you can play a different deck, right? And the reason for that is that decks that are good in Swiss are not as good as decks that are good in top eight. Like fatigue decks that might go So you're saying possibly you play a deck in Constructed, then you can change decks for top eight? Absolutely. So I've played this in a bunch of other games. I've never heard of that. That's That's interesting. That's been legal. It's been a thing in, in Magic, no. In some of it's definitely well back way back. It could be it could be way back, um, yeah. but it has definitely been a thing. In I don't know what level of events, but there have definitely been events even in Magic that have been like this. I mean, but doesn't uh, didn't the, that other game? Can't remember the name. You, you had three decks. Oh, Keyforge. Yeah, yeah. Keyforge. You you have more than one option. Yeah, Conquest formats. Uh, that's been a thing in Hearthstone and and Rune Terror and stuff like that. But specifically, um, being able to swap decks, I think. If I go into an event where I have to play, I don't know, let's say how many events in total was Pro Tour if you played all the way to Three the finals? Events. No, no, but like oh. if you played all the way through to the finals, how many events, how many, sorry, rounds Match. did they have to play? How many matches? Like 15, something yeah. like that? Seven and seven or something. Okay. Seven, seven, three. Right. So that's a lot of games. Yep. Wouldn't it be way cooler just from a spectator standpoint and also from a competitive standpoint if you go into the field and you're like, right, I'm going to play my consistent deck, right? This is the deck that's going to get me into the top cut. And then I get to top cut and out comes the spice, right? Out comes the no innovation. No one's seen this before. That I, no, I, it was too potentially too inconsistent for me to win it's in like the Swiss. It's like pummel drama. Right? But okay. now I get into top cut. I can't just play the same run-of-the-mill crap that everyone else is playing. I need to put a little bit extra in. I need to take risks, right? Yep. Because that sounds fun. So by by the it way, this, this is what I felt they should have done with the team event. If you're going to have staff playing, they have to change decks. They can't just be on their pet deck that's unbeatable. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like take the world's best wizard player and make him play Shiana. I want to see what he comes up with. Right. He's still he's still probably going to win. Yeah, I'm sure. If Absolutely, they're phenomenal players. Yeah. But then with a split format event. The reason I particularly don't like draft, and I don't like it for this particular format, is because I personally feel like constructed is ultra skill testing and ultra skill rewarding right now. And I think there are certain decks that you can play, not just Prism and Ultim. I think there are other decks that you can play where you can reach a level of mastery that is 
more rewarding than we have ever seen in the history of competitive broadcast flesh and blood. Because we have to remember, the first time that competitive flesh and blood was really broadcast was Monarch. Chain. Where we had what? Chain. Then what did we have after that set? Briar. Briar. Unbanned Briar. <laughs> and uh, well, was and it unbanned Chain? No, it was banned Chain by the time we saw it. It was banned Chain by camera, then. Yeah. And then what was the next format? Starlight. Right. Every single Can one of those Can we just say dog shit, all three? Oh, I, to watch. All of them you were get not the fun mirrors, to watch. You get Starva mirrors. <laughs> what am I watching? They weren't fun to watch and they weren't fun to play. And no. frankly, I didn't think they were rewarding to play in either. That's that's different right now. Uprising, there are a handful of decks, which I think are very skill testing. And any top player can pick any of those decks and can win if they themselves are better than the person across the table from them. Right? Which is a fantastic thing. Mm. Don't ruin that by introducing the undeniable higher... I'm not saying it's the highest level of variance, but undeniably Much higher, higher level of variance of draft versus the current constructed format. And I think it's absolutely undeniable that the current draft format, in terms of the people who are consistently winning is much higher variance. I don't know how much higher. I, I can't put a, an exact number on it, right? But it is higher variance than constructed. And I think that is such a shame when we are going into potentially the safest in meta. terms of variance yep. meta that has ever existed. I love seeing these control metas because this, this is when you find someone who has found something brilliant Right? or has just played so much with their deck. They've learned, This is when the top players out there all around the world, someone who has, like when you want to find that 1%, that, that top, that unconscious competence person, they come out to shine in this format. Yep. And we will lose that if we continue to pair very, very high skill, low variance formats with higher variance formats. I remember last Aussie Nationals, Nick had... The best or one of the best constructed records in the room. Yes, and then and then he got shafted in the draft. Yeah, and hundred percent he can draft. Like he was three owing most of the drafts that I. I went o three in draft at nationals. That's why I didn't make top eight. Yeah, but but the, he they literally two or it was. It, what had happened is what's been happening to me in draft on occasion. Very different skill level, I know. But I'll I'll think I'm doing the right thing, and then people to my left and right mm. force something or take the wrong signal, and I'm like, oh, hit me with a Paul. Hey, I do like the idea of changing heroes' uh, top cut. Mm. Uh, very, I haven't heard of that before. That'd be cool. However, okay, I can't argue the point that it's uh, less variance. Okay, who knows? Um, you could be right. You're probably right. Um, but I do believe drafting takes a hell of a lot of skill. A hell of a lot. Probably Absolutely, there's like three levels lift, to it. Literally, like draft, draft in a crown deck. of providence. Yeah, I know. Of course, it's variance. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, there's drafting a deck, there's building a deck, and there's playing a deck. I know for me, I can draft decks very well. I can build decks pretty damn well. And out of those holy trinity, the thing that lets me down all the time is playing the deck. Same with Magic. I'd sit down with the best drafters in the country and I'd outdraft them a lot of the time, but I couldn't play as well as them, okay? Um, and that's what I think drafting is so unique because it tests those three facets of your game. How well do you draft? How well do you build decks under pressure? And how well can you play the game with something, you know, play the game under those constraints? Now, I think uh, draft does have that, 
I think it taps into something a little bit different to a constructive player, some sort of um, intuitive, almost like it's a little bit more musical. I think it's a little bit more artistic. Um, I think uh, uh, playing a constructive format is, uh, it's more, you know, ones and zeros, whereas learning how to draft, and you saw it in Magic, like the people with the best ELO in draft or the best ranked draft players in Magic would consistently rise to the top. Didn't matter what the format, where it was, like you had those high-level draft players that was, they were average at constructed, but they were beasts at draft. They just, they had that, um, they had that special something they could navigate a draft no matter what the format. And then you had, you know, the Brad Nelsons that were just the constructed juggernauts, you know, couldn't really play, or they could play limited better than the average Joe, but standing up against these limited masterminds, they, they couldn't. They, they just didn't have the three ingredients of drafting a deck, building a deck on the spot and piloting that deck. They couldn't succeed in that environment at the highest level. They were best suited to brewing their deck, playing it a million times and working out cyborg plans, all that. that mm-hmm. That's how they succeeded. So I do like, now should, maybe we'll see all limited Pro Tours. Maybe we should have that. Maybe we should have- I'm fine all, with that. Yeah. Maybe we should have, and they used to have them in Magic yep. way back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I, I, I just, I, I don't agree with the notion that no, uh, draft variants bad for Pro Play. No. No, no, it's I the think, fixture. I think it's very good. Okay, think, let think, me put a put, put a theoretical to you, okay? <coughs> and I don't, I'm, I'm not like no, call, no, no, calling you out. Hey, here. call me okay? out. So I'm going to use me, you no, as an example. I'm going to use you and me it. as an example. Yeah, actually. Tell, 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 okay. What's your constructed record against me? Oh, God, I, I, I've no I can idea. tell you what it is. Tell me, tell me. It's zero percent. No, I've beaten you. I beat your prison deck two weeks ago, three weeks ago, with Reiner. Jeremiah. No, you were uh, on prison. I high rolled you. Remember, I went, I went, I went blood rush bellows, blood rush bellows. A cardboard What's cafe. This guy talking about? A cardboard cafe. You couldn't believe it because I got so about? lucky. What is this guy talking about? No, no, no. I, I think I'm like, I'm, I've like, have like <laughs> one win. Was this in Blitz? No, no, it was CC at okay. Ryan's. I've had one win. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's low. Okay. But I've only played you a few times. Okay. Your draft win percentage against me is much higher. Do you feel when you sit down across from me, are you more comfortable if you're playing draft or CC? Draft. Okay, that's why is issue. that? But that's the issue. Is it because it no, no, matter no, no, why? No, 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 but this, this, this is the thing, right? Do you because seriously I can think tell you that there's why. like a, that you have a, like a secret source for draft? No. Because if that's the case, absolutely, I get no, that. No, no, not yeah. at all. A, 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 the, re, the reason why I say that is because, yeah, I haven't played a lot of draft against you. I think I've played maybe two or three times against you, right? Against draft. Yeah, you've won every time. Yeah, but like, <laughs> that that's not a good indication. Like, I, uh, but I think I am more confident against you just because I think that um, you've put a lot more time, effort, thought, reps into CC than me. Outside of an armory, I've never played a game of CC. I've never played a game of CC outside of a sanctioned event. And that's why I suck at CC. Well, like I don't suck at it, but... I'm not above average. Until I spend the time with a mastermind like you, sitting down for 10 hours, talking theory and playing 100 games in a day, which I really want to do one day, I'll never get better at CC. Mm. You ca- in my opinion, you can't get better in CC by 
turning up to one or two armories a week, playing three or four matches. Like, it's not going to cut the mustard. Whereas I think if I sit in a draft with you, I think that we're a much even keel, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, so, and I agree. Draft definitely puts anyone on a more level playing field. But I don't want to watch I don't want to be on a level playing field. The reason why is because I've played for card games for such a long time. So then when I get a format where... I'm rewarded for having put that time in. I've spent so long, you know, specifically like, don't, don't get me wrong. I love playing drafts in a bunch of, a bunch of other games as well. I love playing fab draft. I think it's incredibly good. I think welcome to race draft was great. I think Monarch draft draft was fantastic. But then when I go to a premier level event where there's money on the line and Suddenly, I have to. I don't want to be playing on equal footing with you. I don't want it to be fair. I want to sit down across from you and just fucking stomp you, buddy. That's not right. Yeah, like I, I, I want you to see, like, and you know, if you want to get into why I play card games, is because I want, I want to dominate you across the board, mate. You know, I want to point down at you at the end, and as I say to all Briar players, you know, get good, son. Like, I, I don't want, I don't want it to be fair. I want you to to have been overpowered by the fact that I am a better player than you. Or if you beat me, I want it to be because you are a better player than me and you've outplayed me. I don't want it to be because you first picked Phoenix form and somehow managed to line up, you know, double flame into Phoenix form and you over... I don't care about the, the third the trigger. Over-fiving me? Yeah. Come on, It's also like the, the fact that you limited the, your scope of knowledge to draft this set well or any set is three or four heroes and their mechanics and cards, not the broad scope of the game. Like you can, to test in CC, be good at CC, you need to understand a good 20 decks. Sure. At least yeah. at a base level. Yeah, yeah. Probably then you have to be yeah. quite proficient about how you play against the top three or four decks. You have to know all that. It's much more different. Yeah. I'm I, also a strong believer that um, Flesh and Blood is so new. And even the stuff I see on the Flesh and Blood are... Uh, main YouTube page. Mm. Okay, pack one, pick ones. I don't... None of them pick the same card. I, yeah, so yes. basically what I'm saying is I, I, Flesh and Blood Draft is just so unsolved. I don't think yep. there's any uh, rhyme or reason with how pe people approach it. I think it's so different. I think a lot of people are just approaching it from a mindset of how did we draft in Magic, which I use. Sure. Okay, I'm sure, guilty sure, of that. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever the case may be. And but it works. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But yeah. I think Flesh and Blood draft is very unique. I don't think... I think once we get 10, 15 sets deep, you'll see uh, Flesh and Blood, true Flesh and Blood draft strategies develop that you can't translate into other games. Mm -hmm. They're exclusive mm -hmm. to Flesh and yep. Blood. And I, I really believe that. I think there's one of them that I know of, which is why I'm Force not enjoying fight. the draft. <laughs> well, well, no, but it's also why <laughs> Fi and why other, uh, other like in other sets, one hero always stood up apart mm. is Fi has a weapon. So sure. even if you draft mediocre, you, you can still pitch and swing. Which on fire is quite rewarding because you get a draconic mm. chain in that. Mm. I'll I'll tell you now. But for zero for three for no Golgans, shit. That's not how you draft. Yeah, that. I know. But Let I'm me just explain saying. something. And I'll I'll this it's better than nothing. This is my prediction. You're going to force Dromai and go zero three way more often than you think, and then you'll oh, draft. No, I, if I you get, don't, an Icelander is way harder to play, but Icelander is the strongest hero in the set. But I've to draft against Icelander seems so much more complex than drafting Fi. Yeah. I don't like that. 
I've played against Icelander 10 times more than I've played against Dromai. And mm. to me, Icelander, maybe because I'm more familiar with it because i just played against mm. it so many times, seems so much easier than Dromai. To play? Yeah. To draft is way harder. Yeah, once you have the cards, it's easy. You just pick what to put in Arsenal. Don't you just pick blues? No, no. See, no. Yes and no. Yeah. Just no, no, because I don't know. Icelander, you're back to, I have to think about how many ice and elemental so I can fuse. It's, it's hard. There's a bit more in going. comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then again, it's just like, I think. And you, by the way, like you can construct that and the ratios while mm. you're in the middle of a draft and the cards dry up. I, I, like, I, I still think Iceland is the most powerful deck. Like I don't, think, I don't think Fi is the most powerful it. deck. I well, don't. I think Icelander no, is the Fy most is, in a vacuum's most powerful Fy deck. Fi has the Briar problem. Way too strong and too easy to play. That's the hundred percent what I think. And now that I've and I've been drafting a lot, Fi's too easy and, and too strong. Off off like a like when I forced it with someone next to me forcing it and two away force was playing fire as well. Mm. I went to two, 2 one. I shouldn't go two one. Mm. If that was a drone, my deck would have zero three because I wouldn't have had the ratios. I couldn't have made Ash and Iceland is the same. If you just don't have, like if you're missing two blues and two ice fuse cards to fuse with your deck shit. Yeah. I it just, goes from shit to unbeatable. Like, Oh, with, very quickly. So what you're saying is fire is more forgiving. D- it definitely Wait, is. But, but yeah. to a point where if you give a very forgiving deck with a weapon that you can pitch into, into the hands of someone who's also a very high elo player, it's a bit too much because they the allowance they have to have crap cards in the deck and still win is way higher than yeah. The but other those I, those Icelander decks check those decks every day no, of the week. Don't. Good yes, ones do. do. I think so, sometimes Good ones they do. do. It, it goes. It, it swings around. Can I ask for sure. you both something? Yeah. Okay. Pods of eight. Yeah. How many pods have you seen with less than three fives? Plenty. Heaps. Less I, than I've three. Seen, yes. I've seen plenty with less yes. than three. That's but, crazy. But I will say. When I, I see pods, I've with, seen none. When I see pods with less than three fires, the reason that I see pods with less than three fires is because um, two people have. Oh, sorry, it's because there's three people in a row who, for some reason, have just decided to all draft Jeremiah, all draft force, Icelander, yeah. and like, for, we, yeah, they forced it. We've yeah. had a couple of p- drafts here with less than three fires. Have we? Yeah, we've had two. We've had two drafts here with less than three. I honestly don't no, remember. No, no. Yeah. Okay, if that's true, it's because people like me are not looking at the cards when I'm sitting with you and Ryan Bell at the table anymore. I'm 100 <laughs> percent serious. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even calling out. And Sam Gubbins. It's the same thing. And and by oh, the way, man. but th- Ryan plays Icelander though. No, all three of you say you might play other decks, and then it's it's like 90 percent chance. He beat it'll be me in fun. the RTM. And by the way, I Icelander. get it. I'm highly favored to play Dromai because that that's my best deck. It like, but 100 percent, I don't look at the cards when I play against. Like, if I look around yeah. the table and I know what people are going to draft, I immediately don't draft those. Okay, sure. question for you then. Yeah, pack one, pick one. What is going through your head? What's when the you look, strongest when you card look at your that I opening want pack or, or don't want to see? Yeah, yeah. No, tell me. When you're opening your first pack, how are you evaluating your pack one, pick one? I, mean, I can't give right you the now. whole list, but I'm right going... Right now. What are you looking at? What hero you prefer to play? Raw That's power level? That's a very level, weird question. Generic I'm looking class. At what, the ha- no, 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 what are you nothing. looking at? What's the strongest card? And then deciding whether I want to play it or I want to hate draft it out. Like if this You're something not going to hate draft on pack one, pick one. 100%. Oh, bro, that's that's. If I see Phoenix form or that's something, that's kind of wild. That's that's I, wild, I, I, bro. I, I, no I mean, one is. You can't that's kind of wild. No, no, but say. to me, that keeps me open, right? Sure. It's me not choosing, but I'm going. I don't like if I see a Kyloria. Yeah. I take it because it's too. Str- I don't want to see it, and I might play it. Right. Okay. So okay I take yeah. it out. See, no, no, I'm saying yeah. I pick the strongest card in my perspective that I will either play 
or if I switch, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Like th- a necria is not leaving my hand. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, right. Then, then, a rake, like, okay, okay, a rake is not leaving yeah. my hand. That's what I'm saying. I, I, oh, and by the way, any of them must have equipments. The two chess pieces, wizard and uh, wizard and um, draconic. Yeah, I I keep it because mm. either I'm gonna build around it or I'm not. I don't want you to have that. So I kind of go, and I think this is something that is like a very easy improvement that you can make to your draft game, assuming you're not forcing. But even if you are forcing, you can still do this. Um, actually, just figure out what the best two cards in the pack are. Mm-hmm. And like total. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, you know you can go as deep as you want, right? You can p- figure out what are the That's best three about cards. The pack or in the set? no no in that pack, right? In the pack. Sorry. Yeah. What are the two best cards in the pack? What are the two or three best cards in the pack? Which one am I keeping? And which one am I giving to the guy next? Correct. Week, right. And potentially, which one am I giving to the person after that? Yeah. What do I think they're going to take? So. I I have a tendency to I, I like I, I just tend to look three deep mm-hmm. um, in every single pack. What are the best three cards in every pack and uh, and work from there. I'm actually kind of I think there's a lot of theory behind draft that is very complex, definitely. Strategy with how to draft, how to force the people around you. That's actually what I find most interesting in draft. And I do this quite a lot when I can. I mean, I did it in Canberra where uh, I forced the guy next to me into Icelander. I forced the person after him into Fi, and I could tell the person next to me was going Fi as well. And then when the packs came back in pack two, I was basically getting three first picks of Dromai cards, uh, which was ridiculous. My deck came out ridiculously strong. Um, and then I got fucking high rolled. Uh, but yeah, I felt bad. Um, but, you know, things like that, I think are very interesting and more interesting ways of looking at drafting. But there's still variance and there's more variance to it than there is in CC. And I just don't like that it kind of taints the the purity. Um, (laughs) Wow. It taints the, you know, uh, almost, I don't know what a good good word is, but... Say it in French. (laughs) (laughs) You're not just going to get demonetized, you get shut down. no, it, I guess it the, the, the way I see it, the, the sanctity of the event at a base level. Touched. You have thirty cards. Yes, three of them you get free uh, card blanche on. Yep, that's French. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> three cards will sometimes win you the tournament. Sure. So yeah. it's still like I said, like I drafted once uh, tails, and Nick Butcher pulled a crown of seeds. Feels one bad. Event. Yep. One okay. the event. Why? Because it's the card's already strong in the hands of someone as good as Nick. Hmm. His Briar deck was busted. And, and let's also be very clear about something. You can bring tech to an event in your constructed deck that no one else has seen, which I will be doing in Pro Tour. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, look, by the way, I'm in, I enjoy playing draft. Yes, 100%. What do I want to watch as a spectator or play when there's money on the line? 100% CC. Yeah. That, I agree with that. It, it does the... Does the draft make it more interesting and maybe a good break for players? I don't mind it, but I, I still think purity-wise, like if you want the highest skill to, to win, it's got to be CC. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, it really is, is this. Is for me personally, I would rather the best player in the room always wins. And whenever I introduce any sort of limited format, 
the probability that the best player in the room wins drops. By the and way, 100% Worlds has limited in it. Yeah. yeah no, no, like they've said it. It's usually, not like, like this Worlds will change. Worlds in Magic yeah. is tri-format. Yeah. Imagine if they do Worlds tri-format. CC that would actually eliminate draft. Yeah, but that would eliminate variance. Imagine that. Enough. CC Drift Blitz, they could. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you nah, want to do They wouldn't that, do Blitz. They'd they do Sealed, maybe. If you want to do that... No, they won't do Sealed. That's no, like, no way. Yeah, Sealed's a bit rough. But they like, if they did tri-format, I mean, like, fine. That's the choice that they have, mm. right? And there's going to be some... Some justification for that somewhere in the in the pipeline. You know, we want to make it more interesting. We want to make it more accessible. Whatever. You talk to any top player right now. I'm not. I'm take me out of this equation completely because I don't consider myself a top player in the game. Ask them. Oh, I'll money match you a grand. Let's draft. Fuck no, bro. What are you talking about? No, CC every day. That's the format that people yeah, if I, if I'm putting want to show their skill against out. you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And if you want to run a full draft event, go for it. I think that's great. I'll be in that event as well because mm. I want to play some high level draft. I want to try and draft against the best drafters, and I absolutely agree. There's more skill involved. Um, there's more skill involved than people think. But I don't want to be playing for. I don't want to fly and play for 20k or whatever it to is to get high rolled out of. Yeah, a draft, and yeah. then my opponent just like. What? Like, yeah, sure. The argument, oh, you can get high rolled by Starvo. Okay, yeah. But the meta right now, the meta right now, though, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's that particular. It's the perfect storm right now. Mm. Is that where? But, but, but we're going to get had to see it, it anyway. We could have had the perfect format, right? Where well, it was just remember, pure CC, still battle hardens and callings coming up that are pure CC in this format. They're the ones I'm very interested in playing and seeing. Also, so I'm I going to New Zealand. Like, I want to play a CC battle hardened. In this format, what are you going to play, Dory? Nice. She's so wide open now. Yeah, Dory's very good right people now. People are people are misplaying against do Dory. List? We're doing a tier list on Funda. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're two out, two oh, hours, shit. thirty-five okay. minutes in. Are we two and a half hours? Yeah. Can, yeah. can I? Yes. Can we just very Phil bringing us though? the personal Pro Tour Lil. I think if it's three, you play three rounds draft and four CC, three draft, four CC, and then finals. I don't know what the I believe. Like. I think the maths works out that you can actually. 03 all of the drafts and win yeah. and still win which if that is in fact the case then you're going <laughs> well i mean i'm going no matter no, what worlds right? worlds oh then i'm going to worlds yeah well um, by the way i hope it's like that yeah i i really do if that is in well, fact if you the have case, a perfect cc a record or and vice yeah. versa too i'd like to see if someone has a perfect draft record makes it to day two yes. like yeah perfect record in any makes you day two that feels like all right let's see what happens yeah yeah. yeah. but, but, but i would see anyone that had that flip side who won draft like, lost kind of dubious will yeah. cannot win worlds yeah. Yeah. well flip side anyone with a perfect cc record and bad in draft can win world that's how i see it yeah from exactly. a skill set perspective you can get unlucky in draft you're not going to get CC over two days, luck sort of gets out of it after a you while. You know what I would take for Worlds if you wanted to try format? Um, I would say... Commoner? Huh? Commoner? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. We could do three formats. Um, uh, and like I said, if you win any one of them, you'll, you, you'll be able to make it to the top eight or whatever, day three. Draft, CC, and cosplay. Oh yeah, baby! There we go. It's just some nudity to get you past the last. Yeah, why not? Yeah, hundred percent. Saha really threw me under the bus. I gotta say, that was funny. I was listening to that episode. She's a big fan, Phil. (laughs) I said, 
I make one joke off the cuff joke. She didn't throw you under the bus. What? She actually said, Phil made these sorry, comments, she but he's a friend. drove it into my driveway. But she, he's a friend, so it's okay. She made a... Dif- <laughs> she different... She put... <laughs> it's true. You would not make that joke to a stranger. That's the point. Yeah, sorry, of course actually, not. Phil well, are we would. talking about yeah, Uber driving? Oh, no, no. We're talking about cosplay. He, see, the joke went over my head too. Because I, okay. I, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, now I realize what the joke was. You can clar- You can explore. Do you? you oh, the rule thirty four. The rule thirty four. Do you know what that is? No. See, neither do okay, I. Right. It's this internet thing from the good old days of. Oh God! Like, I'm a boomer. I, I can explain. I don't. Know. I, I feel explain. like it was before. So basically, basically the rule is that rules. anything that exists, there is porn of it, and that's rule thirty four. Yeah. There are the rules of the internet. Rule 34 is anything that exists, there is porn of it. If you can think of it and it is a real thing, there is porn of it. So Saha said, <laughs> I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking real hard. It's there, Paul. It's, you just it need exists. To, you need to find it. it. It exists in one of the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But that was Phil's joke to Saha. Flesh and blood? Rule 34, Kasai. Like, I get it. She also, that's the thing. That's what we're talking about the podcast. We got to end it at some point. Is is a, if you're friends and someone knows and and you know you're not crossing a line, say whatever the fuck you want. But it's it's strangers coming up to strangers with weird questions or like that's not an opening line. Can I just say about Fab? I think the community. This is the last thing that I want to mention. <laughs> but yeah, we have a time limit. Sure. Yeah. Um, the community in Fab is. Better than any game that I've ever played. One hundred percent. It's um, and, and that's putting aside like any people who have any gripes with me personally or competitive things or like issues that I have with you know whatever like other players, judges, all that sort of stuff. I think the Fab community in general, by far, is the best for multiple reasons. I think they're the most welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they are some of the most open. Um, in the sense that sometimes, you know, when I say, hey, you should probably play this card instead and here's the reason why, more people are inclined to listen to me in this game for some reason. I think it might just be because it's a very, very hard game to play. So people are willing to take on any sort of information that seems remotely, you know, correct. Um, I have made so many friends through this game. Um, It was a big problem definitely at the higher levels in some other games. Especially when I was younger... I wasn't friends with anyone who played high-level Pokemon, really, because it was just like this ultra-gated community where it was like, well, you know, you're the new kid on the block, so peace, right? No, it's not like that in Fab. I no. can reach out to pretty much anyone. I mean, you can tag Hayden on Twitter. He'll reply, and he replies to anyone. Hayden? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, saying that hey, all, all the like, calling winners, national winners... In Fab, like Matt Rogers has always been responsive. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean like, like hey, tag Tarek Patel asking a question about Bri. He'll respond. Sure. Like no one's. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I probably won't. No, no. <laughs> but I'm saying the community is like. It, it, yeah. What's funny? I think it stems from James White. I've mentioned this a million times. He's a great guy. Yeah. When, when I when I email James White, no, I'm not inviting people to email James White. Like he's emailed <laughs> me in the past. Don't do but, that. No, no, but but he's responsive. Which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like you don't expect the guy, the man, to even check his own email for, for most companies. This guy actually will reply. Yeah. That's crazy. The one thing I'll say about Hayden, which I personally dislike, spicy, is Oof. that he really thinks McChickens are good. <laughs> like, I, mate, Hayden and I have loser. done a lot of Macca's runs in our time. This guy, his order, I know this shit off by heart. 
Does he at least add cheese? Does he add cheese to those McChickens? No, he doesn't. He just gets like a regular, like medium fucking McChicken, the Coke, no sugar. I agree with that. Coke, no sugar is top tier, right? As far as the drinks go. And then he gets the the McBites, whatever the hell they're called, which is just like shitty chicken nuggets that are slightly smaller. Like if you want popcorn uh, no, chicken. Got, no, they've got a bit of spice on bro, it. Bro, go to KFC. Bit of paprika. If you want that, Hate right? It. I don't know, man. And Disappointing. Like, I don't know. The McChicken, I feel, is one of the weaker burgers. And I've seen, it's been ordered in my vehicle too many look, times. Look, yo, if you're going to Macca's, chicken isn't on, it's not high on my list, but nuggets, yes. Absolutely. But, but nuggets I'm not, I'm not ordering a chicken burger. I had the Szechuan It's not even that bad. Horrible. Yeah, it, <laughs> It's like soy <laughs> sauce. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a two burger man and a skim so cappuccino. I. Absolutely, two burgers, skim, two burgers and a skim, skim cap. cap. That's me, baby. What the? <laughs> two burgers and a skim cap. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who goes to McDonald's? I don't even drink coffee, bro. Two burgers and a skim cap. That's all. You what need. two burgers? Oh, usually a one meat, one chicken. One meat, one chicken is one of those McChicken. Guys, let us know below what your <laughs> Macca's oh order God. is and Phil will rate them. Medium <laughs> double quarter pound a meal, right? Phil, Coke, just, no just sugar, go quarter no meal. ice. Medium double quarter pound a meal. Oh. Coke, no sugar, no ice. Jeez. Two sweet and sour sauces. Are you from the West? Then on the site, no, you're bro. <laughs> and then in addition to that, you have to either get a chicken and cheese, but with the fillet of fish buns. That's a hack for you guys. Or steam, steam buns. buns. Yeah, the yeah. steam buns. Yep. You really are from the West. Man. <laughs> uh, I usually go for a, a triple cheeseburger in addition to that. Then I go for an apple pie Oof. and a sundae and a 10 pack of nuggets. Oh. And that's a reasonable meal. That's right. For a, I'm a growing boy, all right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Guys, we're going to end it there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, before I get cancelled. But, but Phil will be back to rate your Macca's orders below. That's for Next sure. Next podcast. <laughs> Macca's is McDonald's. It's actually Americans. episode 11 of my um, my lectures. It's just and teaching you how to words? order. That was awesome, man. I really enjoyed that. That was great. Thanks yeah, for joining yeah. us, Phil. Thank you so much for having and, me. And uh, make yeah. sure everyone check yeah, out Phil his lectures. Uh, I'll link it below. Yep, YouTube page will be, it's Philpsy. Philpsy. Um, Twitter, Philpsy Bay, twitch.tv forward slash Philpsy Bay. Although my yeah, he streams some um, some fab content. He does. Yeah, I'll yeah. Um, I'll start posting on Twitter when I'm going to be streaming fab content, which is usually pretty pretty in-depth. Actually, we get a lot of community engagement in those things, and they're really fun. Yeah, feel free to tag me, yeah. reach more people. It's we'll fine. Just, um, yep. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here and be needled about my history. And uh, deliver some. Are we doing a Macca's run? So, yeah, we absolutely we are. We better be doing we'll a Macca's absolutely. run. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you guys so much. All right, guys. <laughs> See you later. Woo! Yeah.